Welcome to the show. As always, I'm Dylan Tonkin, and in this episode, I sit down with an old friend of mine, Rob Redinger. He, him and I went to high school together, and uh, we probably talked to each other maybe five or six times over the past, you know, 10, 15 years, and uh, I realized that he lived down in Baltimore, and we just kind of started talking uh, online during my hike, and, you know, uh, realized that he was in, in the area. So uh, whenever I got home, just kind of worked it out and had a, a really, really good time sitting down with Rob. I wish it didn't take us this long, but man, it, it turned out really, really good. So I hope you enjoy it. Okay. All right. So I'm sitting here across across from a person that I went to high school with who apparently lives 10 minutes from me, maybe 15, yeah, a little bit. Uh, in, down in Baltimore. And I, I don't even know the last time I saw him, but uh, Probably this- Probably graduation day. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been, or, um, or at Chicks. Yeah. Probably uh, at Chicks. So I'm sitting here with Rob Redinger. Uh, from Balt, currently from Baltimore, Correct. and Rob is, as I said, uh, a high school uh, friend of mine, and now he is a runner. And we're going to talk about running. We're going to talk about Baltimore. Um, but I'm really glad that you're here. Thank- I really appreciate. It. This is very good for me. I hope. I hope it's good for you too, man. It's good. Oh yeah, I'm stoked for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we started recording, I had to stop you because you were telling me a story about a run that you were on in Baltimore, where you do most of your running. Right, so I do I do a lot of my running in Baltimore, as you just said, um, and it's mainly well. Obviously, I live there, but all my training and stuff is just nice to be able to run right out my door and run through the city. And if I'm doing marathon training, I have to do a lot of long longer runs, long runs on the weekends, and because I have two kids, I have to get in a lot of my training at night. So, because I'm just not, I don't get up at 4.30 in the morning. Like, I just can't do it. So I, I'll go after they go to bed. It's like 8 o'clock at night and just run wherever. And I, and I try to stay away from, like, the pretty bad parts at night, you know. So I have my routes that I go on. But last December, uh, or last November, I can't remember, I was running just through through Fells Point, which is generally a pretty good area of the city, but in Baltimore especially, the crime happens whenever, wherever, you never know. So it was a weird run. I remember it was a weird night to begin with because on the way home, just from work to get home, there was somebody who was a pedestrian who was killed on this route that I always take. It's a really treacherous route. And I was like, that, that was sad. Then on my run, I'm running and there was somebody that was like passed out on the sidewalk and people were wondering if he was alive. and. I don't know if he had overdosed or something. It was very weird. And then there was like a lady stuck in a wheelchair on the cobblestones at both point that had to help across. And I was like, this is crazy. And so I'm running and I, I'm running in like upper Fells point area. And I see some ambulances like a block away. And it was kind of like the area I was running. So I just ran down to see, and they were, they had just loaded someone into an ambulance and were crime uh, like taping off the crime scene and it was and I saw like the people outside it was near the Baltimore Tattoo Museum which is um, in Fells Point and but it's also a tattoo parlor mm-hmm. 
and you know there's people that were clearly like kind of in shock of what just happened and i didn't see it so i didn't see it happen right when it happened but i mean i was two minutes you know five minutes afterwards and uh and what happened was that there was just an employee at the tattoo museum was outside talking on his phone to his wife two guys came up that they eventually had on surveillance fan surveillance camera i remember that yeah tried to rob him and like pull, like killed him because he probably what? i think he put tried to put up a fight or told him to get away mm-hmm. or whatever and it was just like such a, like an awful thing but it was just one of those things where you know i think sometimes my wife worries about me running at night for obvious reasons but mm-hmm. i tried to always like keep an eye out for everything and just be aware of my surroundings you know and generally run in safe areas but in some places you just never know like you can come up with something like that and interestingly enough just i think it was just yesterday or two days ago the guy that they charged with that murder was just acquitted because they didn't have like defend yeah like on friday the video the video was nuts i know you could see it yeah so it was like they so it was he wasn't the guy that pulled the trigger he was the guy that was with them okay and he wouldn't he was like i don't know who who the guy was that was with me and so do you know what i mean so like the guy the accomplice or whatever was was in the video and but it was acquitted of all charge he didn't even get charged with anything which is a it's a whole nother thing about the baltimore legal justice system that's insane yeah but anyways i I totally forgot because i remember that happening yeah i remember it was like it was a big deal it was yeah and he was like uh i think they were talking about like the guy was excuse me he was like a really nice person yeah like he was a he played in some bands and stuff like people loved him and it was just horrible it's just a ridiculous thing man that's, but anyways so that's, that's crazy so yeah. so like you were you you know that that whole thing and I, I remember it being on the news yeah i remember just like coming up on it and it's so weird you can just be in this moment where you're in your head running and just you know thinking about life things and mm-hmm. you're just boom all of a sudden this other situation so that, wow. i mean that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the crazy things that's really crazy that it was such a a well-known like people know about that that incident and you just like stumbled upon it one day yeah so how did you get from grantville pennsylvania which is a fantastic area <laughs> from yeah. grantville it's, it might not even yeah. be on the map i'm not even sure <laughs> if it is it's very small yeah. uh does grantville have a traffic light technically grantville doesn't shellsville shellsville like one I yeah think. i don't know yeah it's like it's so, so ridiculous. how did you get from grantville pennsylvania to baltimore Oh man, you're in the thick of it down there. Yeah, I'm in Baltimore County, and he's in Baltimore City. It is crazy because I think of, and people don't understand it when I say that I came from out, like from Hershey, or because nobody knows Granville. So when I'm down here, I say Hershey. I claim Hummel. I claim Hershey too. Yeah, and I'm from Hummelstown. Right. So I'm from Hershey. <laughs> so, so whenever I'm down here, people are like, "Why did you move down here, <laughs> like to the city?" Because yeah. people that have been to Hershey are like, "I would move there," and um. Well, for one thing, I've always been like a huge Baltimore Orioles fan since I was a kid. Like it was they're much, right. still my favorite team. I love them. I'm, I was obsessed <laughs> with Kyle Ripken when I was like in middle school and high school. And um um and so we uh or so I moved down here 7 years ago, 8 years ago. And really it was kind of a random thing. I was dating my wife that or my wife now, mm-hmm. uh girlfriend at the time even and she's from annapolis so baltimore is kind of like a midway mm. and it, i used i was playing in a band in my 20s and one time was about to come off tour and my 
employer called me and was like, you don't have a job. And I was like, like, or I was calling in to get more work and they were like, yeah, we don't have any more work for you. And I was like, okay. And I knew my wife's uh, brother had a boat detailing business and down in the Baltimore Annapolis area. And I was like, can I just work for you for the summer? Yeah. And like, he's like, yeah. So I just like found a place on Craigslist within one week. <laughs> I was living in Baltimore. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And now I haven't left. So yeah. So I forgot you were a nose fan. That's cool. Yeah. So, and actually it was awesome because I moved here right when the Orioles were getting good again. Mm-hmm. And so they had this like magical like 2012. So it was, it was nice. And now it's back to complete shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Buck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so do you guys go to, like, you got to go to those games if you're down here. Oh, yeah. Big like, time? Yeah. This year has, I don't even know if I got to many games this year because mm-hmm. it was just with two kids and, you know, just life. But, but I used to go at least 10 games a year. Nice. 10 to 15. Nice. Man, yeah. those games are so fun. And I'm oh, not yeah. like, I, I don't, I would never watch baseball on a TV or listen to it. But man, Oriole, like, it's just fun. It's a great stadium and it's a, it's it's usually pretty cheap. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, funny fact, uh, the Orioles are one of the few, maybe one of the only or or only stadium in baseball that allows you to bring food and drinks in, as long as it's not alcoholic. You can take food in. Yeah, there? most people don't know this. I did so not know that. You don't. You can bring. I've seen people bring in trays of lasagna. And they're just like <laughs> into the stadium, just <laughs> eating right out of it. Man, I didn't realize that they let you bring your... Nobody does that. It's crazy. I know. Not even minor league stadiums. That's how they make their money. Yeah. $9 yeah. hot dogs. Right. <laughs> so, obviously, I took complete advantage of this when I was younger and would just, like, open the soda bottle, pour in, like, an airplane thing of liquor, and <laughs> bottle it back up, and just <laughs> bring it in. Uh, but How did you... Like, I, I never would have thought that. Yeah. How did you learn that? You just saw people eating lasagna? Yeah. Uh, I think that was, I think, one of the first times I saw it, yeah. And then I kind of just, you hear, you know, living in the city, at least some people know about it. But it's great. I always, So I was just going to like, get a sub and stuff before the game, bring it in. It's Half great. price. Yeah. Man, so that's stadium, a good way to save money if you ever go to the ball Stadium games, food is so expensive. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, six bucks. Yeah, for a hot dog. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Um, so that's how you got to Baltimore. How did you get into running? So I started running three years ago, and... Um, so like most of my twenties, I think I started smoking, started smoking cloves when I was like 22 or 23, maybe like in college. And then, uh, I joined a band out of college and we toured, um, around the country for like six years of my twenties. You toured around for six years? Yeah. Crazy. That's, That's awesome. Other, That's Man. Oh, dude. It's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can come back to it, but it was... And I so I smoked clove cigarettes for like a few years, which is kind of crazy now that I think about it. But they were actually outlawed by, like in the Obama administration, outlawed them because they were attractive to kids. So I switched over to regular cigs because, yeah. like, I was like, I'm still gonna smoke. I'm on tour and drinking all the time. Um, and so, so then I smoked until I was thirty. I forget how thirty-two. I guess yeah, because it's four years. Um, and I don't know, I, like my wife had wanted me to quit, but I, and I said when we were going to get married, I'd quit. That lasted for six days on our honeymoon until I bummed a sig from like one of the people working at our resort. Like, I was like, <laughs> okay, I can't do this. And then I kept trying to do the thing where it was like, oh, I'll just have two here, two there, and, or I'll start 
with a pack a week and then I'll go to like the next week I'll have like 18 and 16. It's obviously never works. Yeah. So fi- so actually um, in I guess 2013 or 2014 I I had been contacted that I was a match for a bone marrow donor because apparently one time when i was in new york city me and a few friends we were just like doing just drinking a ton like through new york city mm-hmm. and my one friend was in med school and we passed a donor like booth or whatever set up and he's like we're doing this he's like we're we're all donating our, our like our cheek swab to see if we <laughs> can be bone marrow donors and i was like uh or whatever so we swabbed our cheeks and like five years later or something, I got an email that was like, you've been matched as like a bone marrow donor. And I was like trying to figure out like, how does this happen? Is this a scam? And, and <laughs> I think I was looking at the location where it happened or something. And I was like, oh man. I was like, I forgot we did that. So it was pretty crazy. I'd been matched with, it turns out somebody in Germany, like an older man in Germany or something. Cause it's very rare, you know, it's like, wow. yeah. And the, the, company that does it um i think they're called delete bone marrow i forget what they're actually what the name was Mm -hmm. but they um they have a huge database like 1.2 million people or something so it's like a good pool to draw from so the odds are better but but i had to go down to georgetown university hospital in dc and they flew in like four or five people from all over the country to get like to get a physical full physical and everything to make sure we're good to donate because i agreed because i was like this is such a small thing to save someone's life you know that's huge yeah and i was like if i got matched with someone just and i have to sit there and get my and it's very it's less invasive than it used to Mm -hmm. be how do they do it so it used to be more like you would they would literally like put a giant ass needle in your hip like your pelvis and just extract from your marrow like your bone like uh, your bone marrow <laughs> that sounds terrible and, or like your stems i forget yeah. I don't know. Some, they be, take some stuff out it would be in like your hip and mm-hmm. so but now they have a way that they can actually take um i think they hook up like two different ivs and it basically one goes takes out your blood and then puts it through a machine that takes out your Wait, I don't. I forget. Cell, White blood, blood cells, cells or yeah. bone marrow cells or stem cells, and then like puts it back into your other arm. So it's like okay. pretty, it's pretty chill. I mean, you'll feel like you know depleted and stuff. But mm. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'll, like I'll do this. And it's so it's a big deal. Like I went down, and there's like people from all over the country that they flew in to get work, their physicals drawn up. And um, so I do the physical. I get chest X-rays, and the doctor comes back, and she's like. So we looked at your chest x-rays and it looks like like you have enlarged lymph nodes. Do you have any, like, did you know about this? Do you have any kind of history? And I was like, uh, nope. <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing this. She's like, okay, well, we can't really, like we're going to do a, I think they did like a CT scan or, or an MRI. Like mm-hmm. then she's like, we're going to do an MRI to, which one is it? I don't know. Like we're gonna check you out. On the we're gonna size. check you out further <laughs> to see if we can. Maybe it was an anomaly or something. So they did it. Like I waited another hour and they did that. And she was like, "No, it's still like, you you should go see your like, like we're gonna recommend you to a hospital like mm-hmm. near you." So I went to the Maryland University of Maryland like cancer center. Where's that at? It's in Glen Burnie. Like uh, okay, um, like so yeah, south south, of, south of Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and they did like further scans and stuff of kind of like my whole chest area. And they were like, you 
so your lymph nodes are enlarged and you also have like a mass on your pancreas which I was like I was like okay and I'm like of course I leave and google it and I'm like okay I'm gonna die in six months right like, you, went on or, web, you went on webmd and you yeah, found out you're yeah. gonna die tomorrow but it's like it wasn't even like that much of an exaggeration it was like if you have something on your pancreas you're either gonna die or like soon or you're gonna die like you're gonna die young because it's yeah. very difficult to get to operate on that like to remove anything from it like all of something from there yeah. so if it even if it's benign or something it can come back for, okay. like later down okay. the road it's, i did not know that yeah it's like it's, it's a big deal so um that might not be 100 percent scientifically right. correct but i know it was it's a serious thing right so and so i was like oh my gosh and i didn't know I was just trying to like. How'd you feel, man? I mean, I, it just felt, kind of felt, just disconnected. I guess, like, not empty, but just like, waiting. So, like, I was like, I can't do anything about this. Like, obviously, I was kind of nervous, um, but I just didn't know what else I could feel. Just felt like living in a different, like, disconnected from my body. Like, this is not happening. This right. is weird. But I was also like, trying not to feel negative. Just like, this will be fine. Like this will be okay so he sent me to a pancreatic doctor on another floor and they were like yeah you like you do you need to go we're gonna get a endoscopic ultrasound where they like go inside and like mm -hmm. take samples and everything and so I went uh, a few weeks later went under and like they did that and when I came out of it and I like read the report and it was like there is no mass on your pancreas like there was nothing found and it was like they took samples of other lymph nodes and it was like all came back negative it's fine and i was like that's interesting <laughs> because i thought it was gonna die what just happened yeah so it was either that the like some sort of crazy miracle or that like the doctors were terribly misread their scans mm. and then and i i always hate that i didn't regret that i didn't like totally grill them on it afterwards because I would still go in every six months to get like mm -hmm. uh, to just see if anything was progressed and it turned out that nothing was mm -hmm. growing nothing was it's just I have my lymph nodes are oversized or might have scar tissue or something for some reason like the ones in my chest yeah and, and that this was four years ago so I've had no issues or anything but I I just when I was in there with a doctor, I just wanted to like get out, you know, because I just wanted to hear I'm good and then leave. Like yeah. I just hate being in those areas, and I wish I would have been like, so what's the deal with uh, the fact that you like felt my stomach? We're like, yeah, I can feel it right here. Like that's like, so you just made that up or like yeah. where did that come from? The scan. So, anyways, that woke me up to yeah. like, like I was just like I need I need to quit smoking. So a couple weeks after that, I quit smoking um, for good. I was like November 1st, like uh, 2014, I'm, I'm done. And I did. And so that was the last, yeah, last cigarette I had um, was Halloween that night, uh, the Halloween before. And um, what did you dress up as? <laughs> so <laughs> I just, it's actually probably wouldn't even be cool now, but like, um, I dressed up as Joe Dirt. Dude, I did Joe Dirt one year too. Did you? So good. That's What'd you hilarious. do? Which is fine. Uh, I just wore 
I actually had the Van Halen shirt that he wears in the actual like movie, like a real one. Nice. And so I wore it. I wore the Van Halen shirt with like not Van Hagar, <laughs> and uh, wore like a flannel shirt having like bottle rockets. And I found one of those like Auto Trader masks. Yeah, I did. Yeah, like, yeah. Carrying around. <laughs> what did you do for your hair? Did you get a wig? I had a, like a mullet, like a mullet wig. Yeah. And then I cut. I I didn't want to cut my beard because I was like winter's coming up. But I was like I had to cut it into the chops, you know. Yeah. And uh, here's the best part, is that Kimmy, so my wife's, um, my wife's Korean, and she, she went as Kick and Wing, like, <laughs> which is like, totally. The fireworks like, guy. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, totally would be cool now. But like, she, so she. That was awesome back then. No. Yeah. She made a sign that said like, snakes and sparklers. That is the good stuff. And she, yeah, it's the <laughs> scream of memes, who's Kadoos, who's Kadoons. And she, <laughs> so she, and had like a cowboy hat and like she has long hair, so put it in braids yeah. and then, and more like the gla- big glasses. Dude, people were going crazy. They loved it. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I did like, I had an ACDC shirt that was like three quarter sleeve. Yeah, yeah. And I had the wig and then I had bibs and I got the auto the trader. Auto trader. <laughs> and I had a, a little cardboard sign that said one, two hundred Joe Dirt. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. So that was your, that was the last time that you smoked a cigarette, you were Joe Dirt. Yep, exactly. So I went out in style, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So how did you like, you know, I'm, I've never smoked. Uh, I've probably smoked five cigarettes my whole life, you know. Yeah. Um, how did you just like stop and like, okay, this is it, we're done. So I don't know. And then that's what I try to, like people try to ask me that, mm-hmm. or, like people who are trying to quit. And I th- honestly think it's just one of those things that it's just like, it has, something has to click. And then it was like the cancer thing for me, you yeah. know, like it was just like, it clicked in my head, like, okay, that's it. Like, because I honestly, without that, I don't think that I would have been able to, or it would have been like another trick, you know, something else to like make that happen. And, and that, for other people, they can. It works doing other ways, obviously. Yeah. But just for me, okay. the pers- type of person I am, I know like to quit something. Sometimes it's just like, it just needs. I need some sort of motivator outside of mm-hmm. myself to, to make it happen, yeah. and even outside of my wife, because I thought I'd be able to quit for her. But it's like, I need. I need to quit for myself, but I need something else kind of like to trigger that. You right. know what I mean? And so. So after I quit smoking, I started doing other things that were, I was like, oh, like, I'll just start doing other things. Like, <laughs> I started flossing, which sounds maybe disgusting. Like, I never flossed Proud of before. You. But I was like, I'm going to floss every day for, like, a year. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it and then see what happens. And it sounds stupid, but it's like, it's just these little changes. And I remember... And it helped me start building goals for other things, just doing these dumb things. So... I remember one time I was camping, I was bikepacking actually, like on the CNO trail and it was like pouring rain and we were like, I was trying to set up my hammock and my tarp and it was just like, sucks so bad. And it was like, it had rained all day long and then it was like stopped for a little, we had a fire and we were like, oh, this is great. And then it started raining again and it was just like, but I forgot to floss my teeth that day and I was like freaking out because I was like, I just have to do this. It sounds crazy, but like it meant a lot to me just to like build this consistent string together, you know? Yeah. And I still do it every day. Dude, you know? that's man. No, I I never fly. I just I don't know. I'm weird about it. I never did it. Like yeah. I probably did it like five times in my life up until then. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> it was weird. So I started building these little habits and stuff. And so like that first year, I think I made a goal to ride my bike, uh, like fifteen hundred miles, which like in a year. 
and I just have a single speed like city mm-hmm. bike, you know. So I would do like little trips and ride around the city like pretty much everywhere instead of driving. Mm-hmm. And then and it just it's so weird to think back on that because I remember the first ride I took ever was like a mile or two and I was like this is insane. Like on a bike. <laughs> like cuz there's some hills in Baltimore, but like it was just it was crazy to me how much of an effort that was. <laughs> and now it's so weird. But so I did, I think I rode close to like 1,500 miles that year, which, you know, to actual bikers isn't a lot, but like to me at that time it was huge. Yeah. And then, and then towards the end of that year, I had, I knew some people that ran races and marathons and stuff. And I was like, I was like, they kind of annoyed me. And what annoyed it? What about it annoyed you? It's just because the stickers on the cars, like <laughs> <laughs> people always like acting like it's such a huge deal to run a marathon or half marathon or whatever some people 5k's and I was like this is dumb and I I hated running more than I mean I literally hated it more than anything that's where I'm at right now yeah it was which is weird because when I was a kid like I did love it like as a little kid Mm -hmm. I mean I ran around outside all the time just loved running but somewhere along the line I lost that and I still like playing sports and stuff you know like with friends Mm -hmm. or in college like tennis and stuff like that but I just never was running man like I don't think I could run a mile when I first started running, but anyways, so... What made you run the first mile? So what, it was... What caused the transition? Yeah, so I was like, I'm just going to run a marathon just to be like, fuck you to the marathon and just like running and just be, just say like, I can do this and you're all like big deal, like, you know what I mean? So I kind of did it out of spite, like I'm not even kidding, and... And I was like, I'm going to do one and then done, never run again. And so my one friend who did run, she was like, you should probably do a half marathon to start. Just saying. And I was like, all right, I'll I'll start out with a half marathon and then do a marathon. So I ran my first mile and I remember like, I was like trying to do all these like mental tricks, like playing games, like counting license plate letters and spelling things out. It's like, I'm running a mile. It's crazy. But it was, it was not enjoyable, but I had this, I had a half marathon plan. I just had like the days, it was some crappy plan I Googled and I knew I had to run like four days a week at least. And then like a longer run on the weekend and just build it up. And I was like, I'm just going to do this, like just going to get it done. And I had a sheet on, on my fridge that was kind of like a calendar and had the weeks within miles mm-hmm. for each day. And it felt so good. Just to, like put a highlighter through that, like put an X through that day and just see it on the fridge, like this chain of like X's, you know? And uh, and so I just just kept putting the X's on the fridge and by the t- and, you know, soon enough, it was, I was doing an eight mile run, a nine mile run, did a 10 mile run in my training. And I did a half marathon and I was like, somewhere in that 12 week stretch, I was like, oh man, this is actually pretty awesome. I was like, I like running. (laughs) And then it just, I just kept building it up from there. So that's, but that's how it started, out of spite. Out of spite, just because screw you. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, basically. Yeah. So now it kind of changed, things change once you had kids because you have two, right? Yeah. So yeah, when I first started running, I think, Right, so I didn't ha- we didn't have a kid yet, because our uh we were we were about to like uh, I don't know 
a year later. Um, so I had some time to, um, there's a lot, lot more free time to run. And once we had kids, it was, it's a sacrifice from, especially for my wife, because when I do long runs on the weekend, so now I'm up to doing marathons. So that's kind of like my favorite thing to do now is marathons. Mm -hmm. I actually just ran my third one yesterday. And so. <laughs> how was this? How was the time? Uh, it was awesome. I uh, went back to PA to do it. Did a Harrisburg PA marathon. Did it in three twenty-seven, which is like a seven minute and fifty seven mile. Yeah, seven minute and fifty second pace per mile. Was that a PR? Which is like yeah, it was like a thirteen yeah, minute man, PR. I like, that. Dude, it was <laughs> I was so stoked. It was like just a perfect day. Yeah. Like, Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thanks. That's really cool. Yeah. And like, yeah. So like doing marathon training, my weekend, like Saturday mornings, I try to get up as early as I can and then run. But also I like running with my group. So that's, mm -hmm. they run at 8 a.m. So my wife, Kimmy, has to watch the kids. And it's just, you know, and obviously I want to spend time with my family because I don't get to in the week as much. So it's a like those 12 or 16 weeks leading up to a marathon is mm -hmm. like, it's pretty, it's a pretty big sacrifice for myself and my family. And honestly, towards the end of it, I was getting kind of tired. <laughs> I was just like, I want this to be over with. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, it's, it's worth it in some ways because it definitely is something that keeps me, like keeps my head level and like running definitely like helps me with stress levels and mm -hmm. stuff. I think it's better, you know, I want to set a good example for like my kids and stuff, and my family, mm -hmm. like about setting goals and just being healthy and, you know, and it's cool because a lot of my family now has like started to run a little bit more. Like my dad wants to get into it and he's like 62. So he's <laughs> just like, once he, he's retiring in December and wants to start like running more. Yeah. And he actually like ran a 5k like last fall, like with us. And like my niece is super into girls on the run now and she's, so I'm running a 5K with her next weekend, like pacing her. So, nice. so it's cool. Like it's cool just to see how much it can affect, like not just myself but the rest of my family. Yeah. How so. far the little fingers go out, and it's like, all right, that, yeah. there we go. Cool. It's weird how one life decision, and I'm sure you know this as well, how one life decision can just like start rippling like so many other ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, just an example of this is that. I'm actually, I'm going after this today to sign, to <laughs> sign an offer letter, I believe. But the, I write reviews for a running website called Believe in the Run. Um, and so I do like shoe reviews, race reviews, whatever. But I've been, you know, this is another thing I just went out on just like, not as a risk, but just trying to like take the reins of my own life and say, so, uh, just take it to the next level, do something, you know, keep expanding, keep mm -hmm. going. And so uh, the guy that started the run group that I run with, he has a run, this running review site, Believe in the Run. And I was just like, hey, can I start writing for you? I mean, you know, I like to write, like, um, he's like, sure. I start sending him shoes my way. And like, he really liked the reviews I did. And I would say, hey, I, I'll do some editing for you too, you know, with the other reviews. Cause not everyone's like, and not even myself is like right. a great writer, but I'm pretty good at editing. So I would go and help him with, with that, and then I would just do stuff that was a little bit above and beyond. And he, and he was pretty stoked about some of the stuff I was doing. And he has another company that does um, like marketing for races and endurance events called Big Run Media. Mm -hmm. And so they do um, 
they do like marathons and half marathons. They have a handful right now that they manage, but it's with him and his wife and one other employee, but they're looking to expand it further. So he asked me if I'd be like interested in coming on board, which I was like, so stoked. Like, like part-time or full-time? Full-time. Dude, that's so legit. And it's like a whole thing because like, I'm like so done with my job right now. Cause I yeah. work in the government, like, <clears throat> which is just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I mean, it's cool. Like the people I work with are cool, but like, it's just not my thing. Like, yeah. it's just not. And, better than that, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was, it served its purpose for the last four years or whatever, five mm -hmm. years, getting married, kind of like paying off all my debts and like, you know, just like getting everything in order. But it's like, that's not me. I'm someone that traveled, lived in a van for most of my twenties. And then like, just like <laughs> loved road, loved like crazy stuff. Yeah. So like, I, yeah, this came up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And it's, I think it's just such a good opportunity because it's everything I love to do is writing. It's like social media is mm -hmm. like helping out with race stuff, building relationships with people. Like, so I'm super stoked about it. <laughs> and that's so crazy that like to see that chain of events, like now you're working for a running company. Yeah. And you like who, and I hated it more than anything. <laughs> what the hell? That, see, like, that inspires me. Like, all right, man, Dylan, maybe you can do this. Like, you can go run or, like, just get outside. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So what... Um, is it, like, somewhere you're going to have to go to an office every day, like, telework? So, actually, it's... I'll be working two days from home, like, Mondays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And then um, they have offices in Mount Washington. It's, like, right below Towson right now. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's pretty nice setup. And um, I'm just really excited because I really, like them a lot and mm -hmm. I really like the vision that they have for the company to build it into like there's some west coast companies that do a lot of races out there but there's really like no there's like an basically a vacuum with for east coast companies that do that so they want to take off they want to build it up to be like the prime like east coast marketing company for runs and endurance events so, that's sweet man you do yeah. good for you congrats it's yeah, so cool some, to see all these people kicking butt yeah, killing it. It's it's awesome. I feel. I mean, to be honest with you, like part of part of it in, was inspired by what you what you've done because I've seen you post about how you used to be in your office job that you just were not like happy with, and you're just like, I'm quitting and hiking the AT, and it's like it's a crazy thing to do. Like, I'm gonna go be homeless. Yeah, basically, <laughs> and it's super risky, but but I just knew like. You know, I felt that for some time. And even when I first started the government, it was meant to be a stopgap thing. Like, I just knew, like, that wasn't what I really wanted to do. Yeah. But I just had to find that. And and uh, so, yeah, that inspired me to just definitely do more and look for more. And and I feel like if you take those extra steps where if you're not, you don't stay comfortable and you take those extra steps mm -hmm. and do more to to help others, especially, like, for the, his website, I'd be like, hey, can I help you with this? Can I help you with this? Can I do this? Yeah. Without them asking, it shows someone that like, oh, here's somebody who's like, thinks creatively, thinks outside the box, wants to like build, you know, believes in the vision of mm -hmm. it. And, and it, you know, and then it leads to cool things happening. Super <laughs> cool things, man. Yeah, so. it's, that's, that's, man, good for you. Thanks. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I'm kind of at the point, you know, and this was like one of the things that I can see with like people who are runners, you know, I, you know, I just did this big long walk and it's like, okay, you're done. And like, I just like struggle once I'm done to like 
figure out where to go. Like I feel so lost. So like, how do you figure out like, you know, okay, you run, you know, if your, your goal is to run a marathon, you go and do it. Like, how do you, where do you go? Like, how do you pick up, man? Yeah, I don't know. So, so I'm a little worried about this. I have <laughs> my overall goal is to qualify for the Boston marathon. So if you don't know, there's two ways you can get in the Boston marathon. One is to qualify. Two is to run for charity. So I'll, technically anyone can kind of run Boston Marathon mm -hmm. if they have a charity bib. You have to raise a certain amount of money. I forget what it is, like $10,000 or something for your charity. Like it's significant, a lot of money. It's a significant <laughs> amount like to get in. It might be less than that. but it's So you can buy your way in or work your way in? Essentially. Like, I mean, so that's why some people, you'll see people who run the Boston Marathon, you're like, well, how did they, like, you know, or they ran in like six hours. And it's like, well, they ran for charity. Did not know that. But yeah, but so to qualify, there's certain times that you have to, you run in, in another marathon to get in. Mm -hmm. And so for my age group, it's a uh, 305 marathon. So say like the race I ran yesterday, mm -hmm. I would have to run under 305 to get in. And even, technically, I don't even know if that guarantees it. It was 310, but so many people would apply that they the the time would get like lowered like closer oh. to like 306 so because they would take the best times of everyone that applied under 310 mm -hmm. so like it would fill up so now they kicked it down to 305 so it's even harder but um so that's like my goal goal i just had it in my head so when I, from when i started running like i think i heard about it the boston marathon i mean when i first got into running i was reading book like i read a ton of books i just was super like immersed in it and uh so i just had this goal like i want to get in the boston marathon but and i have a chart somewhere at home and it's has my times that i'm going for like each fall and spring for like the next four years mm -hmm. and so like i'm i think i'm still on on pace right now but so that's like my goal goal so even though i have these like goals for my races and goals to like get to this marathon and do this I, like that's my end goal and i'm worried that when i get that i'm gonna be like oh shoot now i hate running or like, <laughs> like what do i do you know so i'm a little nervous about that and i feel like it's kind of the same way like with you doing the pct or the at because it's such a huge undertaking and it's like well where do i go from here right. even with marathon training and this is something i want to ask you about is when I'm done with the marathon, like right now, I'm still kind of like riding the high from it because it was yesterday. But there's definitely like this like blue time period, like Van Gogh's blue period, uh, <laughs> of where I start getting like just kind of like sad or depressed, like a week after, a couple like, weeks after. They have post trail depression. Like yeah. Post run depression. Yeah. So how long did it last for you? Uh, I feel like I'm still in it. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I was hoping you'd have the answer, man. I, I don't. Well, it's usually just to have set another goal, but it's kind of tough yeah. when you hike like the two long, <laughs> two of the longest trails in the U.S. Yeah, I, it's. Um, I don't know. Like I, I don't. I don't know where to pick up, and maybe it's that I know what to do, but like my ambition, like maybe my ambition is not there. Like, yeah. do you get that way? Like, ah, I'm not going to go for a run. Like, yeah, you're just like, ah, I'm not going to go for a run today. No, for sure. Especially if it's like, if I don't have that goal, like, so if I have a marathon set, then I know like I have, I have to do this because mm. otherwise it's just going to suck or I'm not going to be able to meet that end, end, end goal. But to have, but there is like that period where if I don't have an actual race coming out, I'll be like, eh, I'm just like, 
hang out, like not go for a run because it's 35 degrees and like <laughs> icing or something. That's where I'm at right now, dude. Yeah. I, believe, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the solution is though because <laughs> I don't know if I've figured it. Like, It's a different world though for me too yeah. because what you do is, or what your favorite thing to do is totally, like it's a huge, pretty huge undertaking. requires a, a lot of planning. Like yeah. for marathon stuff, it's very easy to just be like, well, I'll set a date, but then I can also just run out my door. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. Working on it. Yeah. Like, I feel like, like hiking is like that center where you like, you know, it helps you with your stress relief. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like Elise has to work out. She works out every day. Right. But it's, I mean, just go for a walk around the block. Yeah. And I think that it's just like, just go for a walk. You don't have to go for a run. Yeah. Have you done any hikes around here in the, in the last couple months or anything? I, I hiked around Lock Raven. Yeah. And it was like whenever I was doing some training for the PCT, I did. But yeah. I don't know what, like you have to drive there. Is right. that my problem? Like I'm just lazy. I, I'm too lazy to drive <laughs> to go for a walk. Like I won't even walk out of my front door to go for a walk. Um, I, I don't know. But I know what you mean. Like <clears throat> if you're in that moment of like that post- uh, trail depression or whatever or I mean it happens in other areas of life mm -hmm. I remember when I was on unemployment yeah. um, which was of no fault of my own it was just like a, the first job I had when I moved here like a government job a contract got cut and I was like on unemployment you know mm -hmm. and to, I remember it was like so hard to do anything like to apply for anywhere to get out of bed to like clean a house it was just like crazy like just felt like a monumental task to do the dishes or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you feel, but I dude, I I was on unemployment too at one point in my life. Yeah, it's depressing. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. How do you get that ambition? Like I had to get a kick in the butt. Like my truck got repoed, dude. It was terrible. That'll <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I don't know what the solution for it is though. Do you have any goals that you have lined up? Like any for next year or any ideas? Uh, I feel like I'm a great at ideas. It's just the following through. Yeah. But like one thing that actually, like one thing that helps me with dealing with it is this. Yeah. So sure. like sitting down and talking to people. And I think that, you know, being in, in a new area, like I don't really know a lot of people. Yeah. And I've used that like as a crush. Like, well, you don't know a lot of people. Like you don't have to know anybody. Go for a walk. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's different. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm spinning my tires and like, I'm just doing a burnout and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. But. But I mean, I think this is a good thing to start things moving in that direction. Yeah. For one, it gets you talking to people, which is good. Yeah. I mean, because I'm sure you miss that for being on the trail. Oh man, it's every day. Because you just, that's all you do is talk to people. Like, yeah, if you're not shower. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's got to be a large disconnect. I mean, I remember personally, so when I was in the band, um, which we can talk about, but I was with there's three other guys in the band with me, right? Mm -hmm. So we traveled together for whatever, five or six years. I mean, we, we were on the road almost six months out of the year for a lot of that time. And think about this. So you're with these three dudes who are, are essentially like your family mm -hmm. and you are with them literally 24 hours a day. You sleep, because we slept on floors. Like we weren't yeah. like rich. We slept what kind of band the, was it? What's that? What kind of band was it? It was like indie rock. Yeah. Like What'd you just, play? I play bass. Nice, nice. So, so yeah, so we 
we we were completely DIY, like self booked all our stuff, mm-hmm. like all our tours, managed like everything. I mean, we had some label support at one point, but like for our albums and stuff. But like, so we would. I'm with these guys 24 hours a day, literally sleep a foot away from all of them, like, which has its ups and downs, like, um, <laughs> or in the van when we're sleeping together, like, we'll drink, like, finish a show, sleep in the van, drink, smoke cigs to like two or three in the morning, four, actually probably like four or five in the morning, and then just crash and like do it again. And it's like, and then we come home from tour, we hang out with each other like every day, like after work or whatever. And so, when I, I was probably stayed in the band like a year too long, maybe, and it was just. That's when it started. I started to get like pretty dep- like depressed, drink a lot more, and. But I made the decision to leave the band when, Kimmy and I were kind of had gotten back together, went together for a year or two, and then I was going to move down to Baltimore. Actually, right right when I was about to move to Baltimore, I think, or soon after, I I told them I was going to leave the band, and when I was finally out of the band. I mean, it was. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was like really rough. I, I remember I was living in Baltimore, so it was away from my family and other friends outside of the band. But I would call people like every day, every night, just when I get off work or like even when I wasn't, I just like go through every single one of my friends like yeah. on my phone from tour, from my band, from home, and just like try to talk to talk to them or talk to anyone right. while I was like drinking and smoking out at home just like getting drunk and because I just I just missed that so much like because all we do was play shows get in the van and talk we'd go to people's houses after the shows and hang out and just like talk all night you know what I mean it was that's what I did it was and and in many ways they were my brothers and it was kind of like I don't want to compare this straight up, but in Band of Brothers, which is like one of my favorite, you know, docu series, oh, cool. like, and we always watched on the road too, mm-hmm. so we loved it. And but, like, you're so close to these people for so long, and it was like it was tough. Like, obviously, it wasn't tough in the sense of war, but in the sense of like living just a daily life in the United <laughs> States or whatever. Like, it was we all made less than poverty level, I think, for like five years. Like, I wasn't wow. making like. <laughs> money and so we learned to live like super cheap like you know sometimes like almost starve like on the road and then we would just but we all were in this like collective like experience together and so when we came home I I hate it when people ask me about it I didn't want to talk about it I just like you don't understand like how it is like you don't understand what it's like to like be freezing to death like not freezing up, but you're sleeping in a van because you didn't, couldn't find a place to stay that night, and it's like 35 and icing in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and like eight people came to see you, and you're 27, and like, what are you doing with your life? And it was like, <laughs> but we had this bond together, and when that ended, it was very difficult to assimilate back into like normal life, just like without having this closeness of friends or people to talk to, which I'm sure you've that's, experienced. That's like, exactly what I'm, where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you have this, you know, long band experience where you're going for years and you have just like this, this family that you're part of. Like that's, that's essentially what you experienced was like, it's how it is to hike. You know, you meet some of the best people of your, you know, your life and they're your best friends or they're, they're 
you know, you just become so close so quickly to people. Yeah. And then, you know, once you say goodbye at the end of the trail, you know, you constantly keep coming back. And I don't know if I go back to talk to them because I'm like trying to relive that or to like keep that connection to the trail or to the people. Like I love these people, man. They're, and it's, it was, it's so crazy. Like they are like your family mm-hmm. and then you get step, you know, you step away and you're back in normal society and you just like, there's times where I don't like to talk about hiking. Like I don't want to just talk about that because if you have to ask, you don't understand. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The one guy that was on here, Craig Fowler, on uh, I don't even I can't even remember what episode it was, and he his thing was, if you have to ask the question, you wouldn't understand the answer. Mm-hmm. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. So like, how do you, how do you, come out of that? You know, that's you know, you're you're up on this plateau for you know five years, and even though it's misery it's it's pure joy right yeah and then the you, you come <laughs> back to society and you just have to figure out like how did you how did you get back to like a good self-management practice i mean i think part of it was just my wife being in the picture like kind of being that like that balancing part of it because mm-hmm. if i was left to my own devices i would just Honestly, I would probably be back and still in the same situation, like no joke. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you, dude, when my wife goes out of town, I'm like suddenly like eating ice cream with chips and like bowls of like <laughs> Reese's peanut butter pops for every meal. I'm like, what, what happened? <laughs> like nothing's getting done. Um, so, I don't know. I think that was honestly a big part of it. Um, just her being there and just time, I guess. I don't know. But, but also finding other friends. Like, so I'd, I met more people, mm-hmm. um, in Baltimore that became like really good friends. So that obviously helped a lot. Um, was that through the running group or work? Actually, this I feel is, like whenever you're old, like a, I'm not saying we're old, but like you just, you don't yeah. make friends. So this is before running actually. Cause yeah, it, it was before running, but uh, we go to a church in Baltimore that's close to us mm-hmm. and there's just some people who went there it's a pretty cool place there's some cool people and I just ended up meeting some guys there who like I became real close to cool. so I've done a lot of camping trips with like them and just hanging out actually <laughs> they both moved away like my two closest friends moved away then so it was like great now we're back here um but I still have a couple friends um so that helped a lot. And then also like the running group since then as well, in the last couple of years, that's helped a lot because I feel pretty close to some of the guys in that as well. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It is hard when you're an adult. It's like, where do you, like, I don't know, where do you meet people besides those types of places? Right. Like, Especially when you don't drink. Yeah. Like now yeah. So for somebody who's going to marry a girl that, he, you know, the most incredible woman I ever met was actually in a bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is but funny. like, you know, you don't, you know, whenever you're married or whenever, you know, how do you make friends as an adult? Like, I don't know how to adult. I can't, I don't know. I'm still working on it. I don't know either. And it is, <laughs> those are like the only ways that I make friends because I don't know how else you do outside of those types of things. I will say something like uh, running groups. There's, that's actually a fantastic way to meet friends if people are into running because yeah. the first running group I did was with Charm City Run, which is a place, they have stores like all yeah, over yeah, yeah. like the area, but they have training groups that they do. And I just signed up for one of those because I just started running. And they kind of... Ten- 
like trend more towards the beginner runner mm -hmm. or people who are just or casual runner. Um, but it was perfect for when I first started running and they help you build a plan and then you run, do group runs like two or three times a week or whatever. So it was cool. It's like I met a lot of people that way and um, I didn't connect with a lot of runners. I feel like I don't fit into the typical runner mold in many ways, like my personality. But then on Instagram, I found, so the group I run with now is called the Faster Bastards. And I just was on Instagram one day, I think like searching Baltimore running tags or something. And they came up and I was like, oh, this looks more like my scene. Cause it was like a bunch, like they're all had a lot of tattoos and were kind of like, just look like dudes that I used to be in a band, you know, travel yeah. with or meet on tour. And so I started running with them and they run, you know, I'm towards the slow end of them, but they, they're pretty fast. Some, most of them. And actually there was only a handful at the time. This was like a year and a half ago. Now it's, there's a lot more, there's probably like 25 consistent runners that come mm -hmm. out, but, but it's like totally my vibe. Like just not the straight runner vibe. There's a lot of like dudes who are into metal and hardcore and then like also just random people who are super cool. Um, just don't fit into that typical like runner's vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. So that worked out really well to just meet some new people. And actually, I, I don't know if a lot of places have that kind of variety of running groups and things to mm -hmm. choose from. So that's difficult depending where you live, but, but that, that helped a lot for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw like, I was like, man, you know, cause you look at, you know, it's so weird with social media cause you like see what people were up to. Yeah. But like nobody ever knows that you're looking like, it's so creepy. Like you're stalking, you're, <laughs> you know, you're stalking yeah. people and they don't know it. Right. And uh, unless you comment and stuff, but I saw that you were involved in like a running group and then um, he was like, man, look at all, all the stuff that he's doing. Like, uh, so when was your first marathon? Um, so that was the, I did a Houston marathon. Uh, so one of my friends that I told you I met that moved away, mm -hmm. <laughs> he moved to Houston. So I was like, oh, that'd be cool to go down there. It's a January race, um, which is nice. And it's fairly flat and it's really great rate, like huge. I think it's like 40,000 runners. So it's, it's something ridiculous, 30,000. It's crazy. Yeah. So like we, that was my first, I was like, that'd be cool to do the, this as the first one. And it was, it was pretty good. Like it was, it was pretty humid out that day. I think it was a hundred, hundred percent humidity. So you're running through soup. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, how can you cut something? Right. Exactly. It was, uh, it was like 65 degrees, which wasn't terrible, but the humidity, it was like so gross. After the race, it was sunny out and I put my clothes out, came back, not, this is dry fit, like yeah. Nike, like came back nine hours later, completely soaked. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> On a like, refund. <laughs> yeah. It was like so humid, but anyways, it was a good experience and that had some horrible cramping in the last four miles, which is just like never had that how do you power through it so do you have like a mental you can't so with cramping you just can't like i don't know if it is mental I, I think part of it is mental but at the same time it's like when your muscles actually seize up like you just limp i just like would limp along like take tiny baby steps but it was cramps in my the arches of my feet the my calves my hamstrings my quads my glutes like everywhere and i was like Ugh. 
And actually it happened my last marathon too, which was in the spring in DC. And then this one, I, crazy enough, I'm not, I'm not an ambassador or sponsor, but uh, there's this company called Cramp Crushers and they have these, they're kind of like gummies um, with salt and like yeah. electrolytes, whatever. And they, for our, the website I do reviews for, they gave us like a whole freaking box of them. And we hadn't done a re- review yet. I don't know if they were asked to review or just for our running group. But anyways, so I, I was like, whatever. I'll just like take some of these and start trying them out. And I noticed in my training runs, I wasn't cramping like after my runs, um, which is, I would always cramp even after like training runs in my calves, like over 16 to 20 miles. And so, uh, for this marathon, I started taking, I took those like every two miles with like mm-hmm. take one or two. No cramps whatsoever. It was crazy. What was the name of them again? It's called Cramp Crushers. Cramp but crushers. with a K for like, because I guess you got to be clever with your name, but like with for both words. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, all right. But it worked. It was crazy. I was like, I'm going to have to definitely give these guys a shout out because yeah, it, cool. it was unbelievable. Like so that, I didn't have to technically power through anything at that point. Just just keep my head level for the first 20 miles and then like take it up <laughs> and it works. It was a good plan. So, yeah, I feel like there's gotta be this point where, you know, you're like comfortable in the misery. Like, I don't know if that's something, cause it's like, I'm somebody who's never done a marathon, but yeah. you know, I can look at, you know, I've, I've walked 30 miles a day, you know? Right. And it's like, it's hard. And yeah. there's, there's a mental aspect. Like what do you do to, you know, keep yourself, focused and like look this is what i want how do you how do you do that well i think the marathon especially and keep in mind this is only my third one road marathon i did like a trail 50k before but you did a 50k yeah trail a trail one yeah so that was crazy it's a different the trail thing is totally different because you like hike the uphills mostly like power hike and then run the downhills so it takes way longer than like marathon i mean it's it's so much longer but anyways i guess the way that i do it is just i think like especially with the marathon it puts so much time like so many hours just to get like 10 minutes five minutes better that's crazy right like right like the 80 20 rule yeah (laughs) it, it really is so like i all these like days and saturday mornings and like nights that i've been running and just I'm like, so when you're, there is this tendency so to kind of give into your, how your body feels and be like, okay, I, I can just like ease it in, you know? But like, I remember at mile 12, mile 30, I was feeling like I was not feeling well, even a little bit nauseous. And I was just like, well, it might not be my day, you know, just like kind of might have to slow it down. I was like, this is crazy. Like, there's no way. Like, I put in so much time. Like, just, like, this is only a couple hours of, you know, mild pain compared to, like, what other people feel and doing other things every day. And so I was like, I just had to do it. And there's a saying in running called, like, run the mile you're in. So it's like, whatever mile you're in, just run that mile. Mm-hmm. Just say, block out the rest of the race and say, like, I just need to run this mile at this pace. And it was really cool because they had a pacing group. So they'll have runners who have like a stick that says like 330 pace, you know? So it's someone who's much really? faster than that. Yeah. So it's very, it's very cool. So someone who's like volunteers or something? Yeah, they're volunteers. It's amazing. What? 
So they'll have people who can run much faster than that. So this guy probably runs three-hour marathons, right? Like, so instead he'll be the 330 pace group and he'll say like, and he'll just run like an, for him an easier race. Mm -hmm. And he'll say, if you follow me, we're gonna get under 330, like guaranteed. And so it's really cool because there's a usually a large group with each pace group. So like yesterday there's like 20 runners, 15 or 20 runners. And you're just like, I just gotta stay with that stick. Like if I stay with that stick, like I, I will get I didn't know there. that. So, yeah, it's very That's cool. so helpful. And this is actually the first time I ran at the pace group because the other times my goals were like in between the paces. So like it's usually 10 minute increments or 15 minute okay. increments. And so, so I just stuck with him and then I felt like then it was so weird how your body goes through like in an endurance events like that, your body will go through unexpected. You don't know when it hits and when it comes, but there's always highs and there's always lows. Yeah. So like, so my lows came at like mile 12, which is weird because usually I'm feeling pretty good about that time. And then as my high came at like mile 18, when I was just feeling fantastic. I mean, I was like smiling. I was like, this is great. Like it just felt per like effortless. And then it started to get low again around like mile 22 because I picked it up, you know. But I just kept thinking like, especially in the last four miles, it's just like, dude, there's four more miles. It's like 30 minutes or whatever, you know, like it's just like deal with 30 minutes of suckiness like just do it and then that totally got me through and it's, it is interesting though your body does like weird things because like a lot of like so much pain is completely mental you know like uh, it's just it just is mm -hmm. and i remember towards the end of a couple long runs like training runs i had like i had this weird pain in my knee that would just like stop me almost like i had to limp it and so like with that half mile to go or something like that i started feeling that pain in the marathon i was like no way i was like this is bullshit i was like i know this is all mental and i just start like like basically just yelling at myself to like this is like not you're like you're not gonna limp it in and i just was like started cranking it like harder and it went away it was just like boom went away didn't even feel like like the rest of the the last it's just ridiculous just like mental right there. yeah it's to totally mental yeah long distance hiking is very mental i like, i believe it I can I can see so many correlations. There's so many people who go from long distance hiking to it's like, man, you can't go away for five months. That, come on, dude, go up, and they get into to running, and it's it just seems like such a mentally, like your your mind is the biggest enemy. It's so true, and I want to eventually probably get into ultra distances. Like I really would love to do a hundred miler, like either next year or the year after. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what they say is that if you can do 26, like if you can do a marathon, you can do a hundred. It's like physically you can do a hundred. Really? Yeah. And it, to be honest, like hundred mile training, it's not that much different from marathon training. It's almost the same actually. There just may be a couple more runs where you do a little bit longer, like back to back runs that are longer. Yeah. It just, it seems like, man, and the, you were talking about this, the salt and the electrolytes and stuff. And you have to worry about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, hiking you, too, you but do like need some nutrition. the, um, <laughs> the, uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about like hundred mile runs and stuff. And they were like, you know, that stuff is so important to like, you know, yeah. you've got to get it back in your body or you'll be cooked. And it's, it's cool to see that you guys got a product and you're like, yeah, this is, this definitely helped to yeah. see it. And I had to learn that lesson a little bit too, because I would wait to take, so I, I take some gels too, like a goo energy yep. gels. And so I would, I would kind of wait till I was feeling bad to take one. So I started like preemptively mm -hmm. taking a few miles sooner. And I think that helped a lot too. Okay. Um, because once you're starting to feel bad, it's kind of too late at that point. And, right. And if you don't take 
I mean, you need to take a nutrition. You're burning like crazy amounts of calories. Same thing with like hiking. You know what I mean? Like you have to eat. Um, but, but yeah, I forget what else. That's <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the mental aspect of it. Like we were, I had a conversation the one day with one of my friends and they were talking about like how, you know, whenever you're, you feel, you first feel like, you know, I'm done. Like you still have like two thirds of a tank of gas in you. It's just your mind telling you you're cooked. Yeah. No, that's totally true. I, even some, someone was telling me yesterday, I think they were talking about David Goggins, you know, he was on Joe Rogan. He's like that crazy Navy SEAL guy who like, he's insane. I know that name. I'm... He, he was, uh, you probably heard or seen him before, but he he was saying, and I, it was here with someone else that was saying in SEAL training, they're basically like when you feel like you're gonna die, it's like you you probably only give them forty percent. Like it's just there's so much like your body your body's such a liar. Like they, it just it's like ah, I feel uncomfortable, especially in our world. Like it's like I mean look, this is ridiculous. Like it's like we never had to face like any tribulations or like any trials and it's just like your body's like i don't want to do this i'm going to shut down it's like yeah. crazy but yeah the especially the ultra marathons they're like it's like literally after the 26 miles or 30 miles it's complete mental it's nothing like it's all mental there's no physical difference between a marathon and a hundred it's just complete mental so I don't no. Don't ask me how to get in that mental state because I don't think I'm like there yet. But <laughs> it would be cool to be in that that, in that mindset. state of mind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like I I don't know how to master my own mind to like okay like it's just in your head. I know. I like. Do you think it's putting yourself in more like purposely putting yourself in more uncomfortable situations? Making yourself more and more uncomfortable. Yeah. So one thing I had... Elise is really good about this. Really? She, man, she's like, yeah, do uncomfortable stuff. And I'm like, but I don't want to. Yeah, I think it is part of it because even... Uh, but about like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Oh, yeah, putting yourself in uncomfortable yeah, situations. Yeah, because I was... Um, so I hate, I hate it running in the cold and all. Is it good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, so I, hate, I used to hate running in the cold or doing anything in the cold. But I had to do spring marathon training, and it was. I don't have a gym membership because it seems ridiculous to me to pay for 75 bucks a month for a gym, which is the ones by our house. Yeah. And so I just run in the cold because it's free. And, but I mean, there's days when I would do like 14 mile runs and 15 degree weather, like 25. And it just. It, part of that is being uncomfortable and teaching yourself to be like, look, just deal with it. And I mean, I remember the one time I went, it was, 50, I think it was 12 or 15 degrees in Patapsco. Have you ever hiked there? Uh, no, I know where it's at. Okay, never so yeah. it's like, it was <clears throat> like I, at the end of the run, I like shook my jacket out and it was just all ice from my sweat. And it was... Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it was just like ridiculous. <laughs> and, but it was cool. Like it was, I was like, oh, I can be outside for three hours just in... 12 degree, 14 degree weather, mm. just running around. And, and since then, honestly, since I started running in the winter time, it's, it doesn't really bother me that much. Like just the cold in general, mm. which is totally opposite of how I used to be. I mean, and you kind of get to see like being outside in those times when other people aren't outside, you get to take in nature or the city or other things in different ways. And, that you don't usually get it's to like see. a different interpretation on the same scenery yeah exactly that's cool so, which i'm sure you've experienced hiking as well yeah it's it's weird to like look at things you know 
I always tell everybody it's a, it's a hiking trip, trip, not a camping trip. Yeah. It's like, man, I love car camping, but yeah, I don't take a lot of things with me. Right. Like I bare minimum. Yeah. And then a little bit more, like a how, podcast recording. <laughs> how was your? How much weight was your pack on this last one? Um, I started out in the desert without food and water, and I was at nine and a half pounds or nine pounds <laughs> or something like that, which is not crazy. a lot. Um, yeah, but I've, I've, I figured out that the gear doesn't like, it's just gear, you know, it doesn't, the gear doesn't get you there. Your, your head and your heart do. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's kind of the same way. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what shoes you're wearing whenever you run, I assume. No, it's I mean, true. it's important, but like, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you're out there doing it. Yeah. I mean, look, people have ran in shoes or not shoes for hundreds and thousands of years you ever try them toe shoes them five finger ones i never tried them all right man i respect you for that no i can't (laughs) the problem with that that was like a huge fad in the running industry like why five or six years ago it's because there's this one book that came out which is an awesome book by the way it's called born to run and uh it it has some like about so it's about it's not about a Springsteen. Um, <laughs> no, but it was about this tribe in Mexico that they're called the Taramahara, I think. And they just run, like they're huge uh, running tribe. And they have this annual race that they do. And, but they just run in bare feet or like very thin, like leather, like animal skin soles. And, and this is like spot, like rocky ground, like dirt, you know. Their feet have to be so disgusting. Oh, man, it's like your calluses are like that. Uh, that's like hikers who hike in sandals. Your hikers who hike in sandals, your feet are gross. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not body shaming no, you, but they're don't gross. Get near, don't get near those. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so born to run. Yeah. So and then there's this theory in the book that says, well, our natural running motion, which is actually true, like our natural running motion is to run on is to not run on our heels is to run on our feet so we're more like you have this kind of uh i don't know what you call it not spring in your step but anyways so it's supposed to, you're supposed to run more on your forefoot and kind of like not tiptoe but just that's the natural form of running but because we have shoes our bodies revert to this form that isn't supposed to happen which is mm-hmm. you're like you're running with your heel you're running just like wherever it feels comfortable but it messes up a lot of your other body because it's the chain of events that goes through your leg into yeah. your back. Like it's just not, with your not, feet. not natural. Yeah. So, and these are these Tarmahara runners and other runners that run either barefoot or on their forefoot. Like they don't get injured. Like they stay, like they can yeah. run forever and super long distances. And so this book created this like huge hype for like Vibrams, like five fingers or, or just barefoot mm-hmm. running in general. The problem is, is that, people in America or other countries, like we've worn shoes our whole lives. So like, you can't just like go straight from like running right. in shoes to running in those, or you're gonna destroy like everything, which is what happened. Yeah. Is that uh, kind of what started the zero drop thing? Yeah, I think that's that part of it. You ever tried those shoes? I do have, I have some pairs of ultras that I wear. Yeah. yeah. So they, they're fine. I mean, it yeah. hurts your Achilles and calves yeah. if you run in them too long, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's the theory. Interesting philosophy. Behind it, yeah. I think it's, there's something to it. Um, but the problem is that we've been trained to run our lot, our whole lives as just wearing sneakers and stuff that you don't, it, it's not natural mm-hmm. for most people to run like that. It is crazy though, and this is one of my favorite parts in the book, is if you look at a kid running, 
they're such natural runners because they don't have that experience of wearing shoes their whole lives. They run exactly perfectly. Like every kids kid. have a better, like a foot strike. Yeah. Then. Every kid runs like, it's just natural. If you look at them, like they run on their forefeet, hmm. like, and they just have a perfect running stride and it's basically shoes ruin it. Like it's pretty Nuts. crazy. Yeah. Nuts. I wonder if Amish kids would be really good runners. I don't, I don't see those kids up in Pennsylvania. Maybe. They got no, nobody has any shoes on. Yeah. Put some shoes yeah, on, shoes dude. Are like wooden shoes. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Wooden sole shoes. Yeah. yeah. They're, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Though. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be amazing. You just tap into this like insane ultra running community in the Amish. In the Amish community. <laughs> dude, it's they pies. That would be amazing. Yeah. Fuel, pies. Fueled by shoe fly pie. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I love some shoe fly pie. There's actually an Amish place right up the road here. Oh, really? Uh, up in like Hunt Valley area. I should nice. go over there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is just straight sugar. Like it's just like molasses and <laughs> molasses and sugar, sugar. together. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've, you know, I'm so skeptical of, because uh, I had a bad experience with zero drop shoes, and um, I had like Achilles tendonitis really bad, and yeah. it just wouldn't go away. Um, and uh, then I went to, I went to a bunch of different shoes, but now I, I'm on the Hoka, the Hoka train, and I saw that you had some on your, uh, you had like the, the speed goat, speed goat, speed yeah. goat mid, yeah, the mids. okay, and that's like a above the ankle, yeah, and those are waterproof. Yeah. That's so crazy. It is crazy. So it's good and bad. What uh, kind of waterproofing is it? Is it breathable? Do your feet super sweat? No, I mean, I'm, I feel like they have felt pretty good. I mean, I've only worn them on a few trail runs because it was mm -hmm. the summertime. I mean, they, they'll be perfect for winter running mm -hmm. for sure. Um, obviously, the problem is if you step in a creek and it gets above, well, the water's not getting out either. Yeah. And they become like weights on your feet. But, but for just normal, like I'll wear them around in the city when it's raining or on my bike when it's raining mm -hmm. perfect like yeah. they're actually i'm like they're one of my favorite pairs of shoes because they're super comfortable too yeah i wear the speed go twos and i love they're bright orange you yeah. know that, dude, they're so comfortable yeah um it is i don't love running the trails in them because i'm used to um more lightweight like uh nimble shoes i guess so mm -hmm. I, don't, I can't feel the trail as well when i'm running so like it's easy to Either I feel like I rolled my ankle yeah. a couple times. Do you feel like you've noticed any um, like s flexibility or additional strength in your ankles since you started running? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know because I've always had bad ankles because I used to skateboard a lot, like when I was in high school and some in college, and I rolled my ankles so many times like that they're just not in good shape. So. I actually struggle with that sometimes. Like the one pair of Nikes that I have, Nikes are notoriously like narrow shoes, mm -hmm. and some of their soles are very like thin, like narrow. So I like totally like roll my ankle pretty badly this summer um, in one of the shoes. So I don't know <laughs> that I've actually felt any like strengthening in the, that okay. area while yeah. running. It's just, you know, as a hiker, we get a lot of questions about trail runners and boots and stuff like that. And, you know, like my ankle, I don't know how it does some of the things that it does. And yeah. it's just so flexible. Yeah. Um, and I wondered if, you know, maybe it's not because of the road, you know, roads are typically flat, you know, yeah. and you're hiking on a trail it might be different, but um, I would assume there'd be some more flexibility or at least strength. It's not. Yeah. I think if I was more into trail running, that would be the case because, mm -hmm. and that's, I do eventually want to do a lot more trail running. Yeah. I mean, I love the woods. It's like 
the roads can get boring. You grew up in Grantville, man. Right. That's what <laughs> it's I'm in your heart. Like, <laughs> it's just, I know I miss, like, it's so nice to go home sometimes just yeah. to, but, um, but because running on trails, you, because of the uneven surfaces, you start using a lot more muscles. Mm-hmm. So you get like stuff in your knees, like the, like your menis- like smaller muscles in your knees and muscles you don't use while road running, you build those up. So it actually is a really good, nice thing to strengthen your yeah. leg. Muscle. Have you had any like injuries or anything like that? Um, I haven't had anything serious. Um, I have some nagging stuff that goes on just really it all started last summer i wrecked my bike in the inner harbor like mm. on a wet metal grate and i like tore a calf muscle pretty badly like it was just like sucks so bad and so i had to take off like a month of running and and then when i started running again it's like i had was like trying to stay off that leg then like led to imbalances of my yeah. other leg and then i was trying to stay off that leg and it went over to the other so it just keeps going back and forth and other than that it's nothing major if you <clears throat> so like say you miss a day or uh, you know um, how often do you run and like if you miss a run you know is there a time where you're like man like you don't feel the same yeah i mean if you miss like a week or two then it's like the first few runs back like mm. definitely suck um <laughs> it's just like this it is a kind of annoying it's like how did my body lose this like so quickly like i built it up for so long and then i mean it, re- it comes back but yeah if i miss a run i just if you miss one or two runs, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I run four times a week, so a lot of people run five or six times, but just with my schedule, I've cut it back. Yeah. Do you notice, like, mentally you feel different if you don't run? Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. I feel way more stressed, like, way more on edge. Um, if I just about stupid stuff, you know what I mean? So I just feel, like, angsty kind of if I don't get out and run so yeah if, if, especially if I'm injured like that calf thing that happened you have to take off like a few weeks or a month it's like it's like torture does your wife ever tell you why don't you just go for a run no because I usually do I mean it's just <laughs> like she's like I'm sure she thinks it but no she, yeah. she I usually get it out of the way before it becomes <laughs> a deal but yeah there's been times where Elise is like Dylan just go for a hike yeah like take she's like take a hike I yeah like, I mean I think it's good to do that yeah but yeah, I, I've kind of had to injure my hamstring a little bit in this last training cycle, mm-hmm. so it's it's not enough to like destroy me, but it's it's there and it hurts, so I might have to take off a few weeks, which I'm like freaking out about. Dreading. Yeah. So what's your next big? Now that you just said like we just finished the goal two days well, yes two days ago or know. yesterday. Yeah. What's next? I don't know, man. I guess I'll do another spring marathon, maybe in like April, May, because I don't want to start doing another back-to-back thing but um i haven't like planned one out yet so we'll see yeah you're still like you just got home from canada like you're still in that like i'm still trying to be happy as heck yeah yeah right (laughs) so so we'll see um i might do that 50k that i did last year like that's in march Mm -hmm. so where's that at it's in susquehanna state park so it's um on the it's like right at the bottom of the susquehanna oh it's like uh is that cecil county yeah yeah is it cecil on which county. side of the uh the river it's on this side it's on the okay yeah um but it's right right at the okay. susquehanna flats or that area yeah um it's a nice it's a great race it's a smaller race um actually it's a it's a decent sized race for a trail race but it's called the hat 50k like h-a-t i forget 
I forget what it stands for. It's like the trail that it's on or something. And, uh, but it's like, everyone's super cool. And that's the nice thing about the trail race community is like, they are like super chill. Like road racing is like super competitive. Really? Everyone's like dressed like some spandex weirdos, you know, like in neon <laughs> colors. And, and trail racing is just like these like hippie dudes are like, just, they just like, it's the weirdest kind of group of people, but they're so nice. And like, they do like, at their aid stations so in in ultra races they'll have aid stations every six miles or so and it's like ridiculous like they'll have these insane amounts of food i mean i the one race i helped pace it was like bacon fried eggs like any like pierogies <laughs> like crazy like this whole spread of food yeah. and like whiskey and like just crazy <laughs> like they'll have like everything and this one's good this one isn't like super like huge spreads but they'll mm. have like pierogies and french fries and like just real hot yeah. and fresh and it's, it's pretty nice it's pretty interesting it seems like the correlation would be you know the trail runners are like the long distance hikers yeah. and the road runners are like the weekend hikers yeah but just like it just seems like it's kind of like that i guess i don't know <laughs> but yeah the trail runners are cool i mean there's some super competitive trail runners too that are just amazing um but it's also more laid back like they're like i would say it's laid back in a mentality wise like the people still put in the work you know like and do some crazy miles but but mentality wise it's not cutthroat as like running is like i want to beat this time i gotta beat this person trail running is more about like the experience and like hanging out with people they usually have like good hangouts and stuff afterwards mm. so yeah um so that's something i'd like to get into more down the yeah. road and the, how, when uh you have the boston marathon as a ultimate so yeah. what's your when what's, what year uh i would like to be able to qualify in like the next two years next two years okay so that would be so i guess that means i would run it in 2021 or 2022 i'm not sure i'll have to check yeah 2018's about over we're wrapping it up yeah yeah <laughs> so maybe i would run it in 2022 yeah which i think is the 125th anniversary of it which would be oh kind of that's cool. cool yeah yeah that'd be really cool so i don't know but that's that's two years away so we'll see and you um so that you're running is you, you do your running and like what does your wife do to like actually deal with it <laughs> so uh so actually she runs sometimes so she ran a half marathon with me last year mm -hmm. and she would actually be a crazy fast runner if she could if she was into it she's just one of those people that she's not that into it yeah but i was like come on do like the half marathon and she's like all right and it's like she'd run like two or three times a week never ran more than seven miles and she ran a half marathon and like just a little over two hours or something. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, it made me so mad. And I was like, you would be so good at this. So I'm trying to convince her to like, yeah. do a little bit more. So we'll see. But she... Very supportive. Yeah, no, she's just awesome. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, just... And it's the same thing with me, like being around our kids. Like, it's, mm -hmm. that's pretty satisfying in and of itself. Um, and your kids are little, man. Yeah, two and a half and three months old. Or yeah, so they're pretty small. <laughs> man, I don't know. You made a human. Yeah, I did. It's <laughs> all five minutes took <laughs> to do it. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I don't know how, uh, dude, I don't know how people have like four kids and then do this stuff. Or like, there's a family I know who does um, Ironmans. Mm-hmm. The husband and wife both do Ironmans. So, <laughs> like, an Ironman, do you know what it is? Yeah, yeah that's the three, three, yeah. yeah, three different it's, events. It's insane, but it's like, whatever, two point something mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and a marathon. So it's like ridiculous. But like, I don't, and they have like three kids, I think. So I was like, how do you, how is that possible? Like, basically, when one of them's not training, like, the other one's home, and then vice versa, but they're never like, they just like kind of yeah, rotating schedule. Yeah. For like a training cycle. But those are just crazy. That's just crazy. How long is your, like, so say, um, say I wanted to, or somebody wanted to go and run, and your friend said start with a half marathon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what kind of a training schedule do you recommend, or do you have for a half or a, a full marathon? Like, because yeah. it's kind of like you're coming up to the peak, right? Yeah, for sure. So it's like a half, like, I would never recommend doing a full marathon to start. I mean, you, you can do it. It's going to be horrible. Like, it's just going to suck. Yeah. Um, from anyone doing a couch couch to marathon type thing but a couch to like 10k or couch to ha- half marathon it's like i mean it's like anything it's you just gradually start like i think the thing that really screws most people over is that they'll do like they'll be like oh, i need to do a five mile run or something or like a three mile run mm-hmm. even even a two mile run for some people and then they'll just go out and just like run like they're running and it's like well, it's not a race right now. There's no need to run and like, you don't need to get a workout in, you know what I mean? It's just like, just do a light jog, like for a mile, like mm-hmm. very light, like barely faster than walking. Don't worry about your time. Don't worry about how, like that you got a workout in, just do it. And then just like build on that. The next one, do a little bit more. And then the rule of thumb is never increase your weekly mileage by more than 10%. So like, if you run eight miles this week, do like nine, nine miles next week. And then, so it's just like very gradually, because if you ease into it like that, then before you know it, you can run 10 miles. And it, it's, sure, it's like running any long distance, it's gonna, gonna suck a little bit, but it's not as bad as if you're just like, I'm gonna run as hard as I can. It's just, you're gonna give up. It's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> I mean, there's still parts about it that still aren't fun. Like adjusting your, your comfortability level, it seems. Yeah, like. but it's, do the, like, just ease into it. There's no, the, you just need to do it for yourself. You're not impressing anyone else, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so, and yeah, there's some sucky days. Like, even this last time I was training for the marathon, I had some awful, like, there's one run that was just complete hell. Like, it felt worse than running, way worse than running a marathon. Why was that? It's just, well, part of it was that we ran like 13 miles and then like we, I was leading a group run for this event that Under Armour was doing. Mm. And so we stopped for like a half an hour. So all that lactic acid just like starts building your muscles. Yeah. And then I ran like another 10. And so like, so by the time I was like six or seven into that extra 10, I was just like, like dying. Like, and I hate this. I was like, this is. I mean, I was almost puked and passed out. Like, I was getting dizzy. It was horrible. <laughs> so, so yeah, it still sucks sometimes. But, um, yeah. yeah that's yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's interesting. That, And I think that I was talking to, to my brother yesterday, and we were talking about, like, how you see everybody's highlight reel. Like, yeah. man, oh, man, that guy <laughs> got a PR. But, like, you don't see... 
all the bad runs that sucked and yeah. like you don't see the dirty side of life. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It's hard not to compare your, your whole life to somebody else's highlight reel. And really, that's very true. Especially the age we live in now with Instagram and social media. It's just yeah. like everybody puts their best face <clears throat> forward and nobody... And you want to be like better than that person which in some ways is good like you want to be better but you don't want to be like a fake better um and i don't think people are honest about how much you know like outside of a few things like my life's pretty normal you know what i mean i mean it's Mm -hmm. i still think it's a little bit more adventurous than a lot of people but but like I said, like I work for the Coast Guard in an office job. You know what I mean? That looks like that's forty hours of my wife of my life that look like a blank gray wall. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> do you have a cubicle? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it's like Been literally there. like that's forty hours a week. That's just it goes into a vacuum. Like, which obviously is one of the reasons I'm can't wait to get out. Yeah. But um, do you feel like you fit in at work? No. I mean, I fit in as far as, like, I can get along with anyone. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. And I do like some of the people I, like, some of the guys I work with are, are cool dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like, I, ne- I don't feel like I fit in. Like, I just, because I just see everyone around me and it just feels weird. Even my team lead, who I told, I actually told him I'm going to be leaving at the end of the year. Because mm-hmm. I'm friends with him. Yeah. And he was like... He's like, oh, okay. He's like, I mean, I always assumed you would just like at some point get up and like move to the woods in Oregon or something and live out of a bus like that movie Captain Fantastic. Like he's like, he's <laughs> at like, least he didn't say into the wild. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And he's some berries and die at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he he was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I put my two weeks in to go hike the AT, and I had planned it for a long time, and I was like. Very misleading. I was like, no, nah, I didn't plan it for that long. I, like, I spent over a year planning this. Yeah. And they were like, I, I just want them to understand I wasn't going to another company. And they were like, we support you. We think you're crazy, but this is totally you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's just some people like are meant to do different things like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I would <laughs> love to be, I wouldn't love to be, but um, for comfortability's sake, be that one of those people that is just like, oh, I'm going to work here to here, these years to these years, this is the pension I'm going to have when I retire, or this is what I'm going to get from the government, I'll have this money to retire on, I'll do this, this. I'm like, dude, not for me. I'm like, it's cool to have money and have some in retirement, which is nice. Like I said, the past five years helped. Yeah. But like, but at the same time, I need a little bit of that like edge, you know what I mean? Like that risk. Yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of the people that I sit down with and it, it just seems like they're almost at the point where they're living out their retirement like on the weekends or, you know, little by little, like they're doing things that people are like, oh, well, whenever I retire, I'm going to do this. Yeah. But they're just like taking those little bite-sized pieces out of their life instead of waiting until the very end. Right. Whenever you're like old and out of shape or whatever it yeah. is. like. Yeah. Not living towards, like, living a retirement as yeah. best you can. Yeah. And, it, yeah, if, and especially, like, I get, like, it's not like everyone can, quote, unquote, like, live their dreams. Like, you have to, I mean, obviously we have to work in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And 
it's not like everyone can be an Instagram influencer. You know what I mean? It sounds amazing, but even those people still work. Like they, right. it doesn't look like it on Instagram, but they definitely do work. So, but there is like taking advantage of what you can while you can doing those things on the weekends or in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't require much to just get out there and do stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, but it pays off like in the long term, in the long run, it creates way more life experiences, memories, and just, you know, waiting for this like perfect moment, especially like waiting for this perfect moment to arrive. <laughs> yeah. It never arrives. Like, yeah. like there's never a time to make a perfect moment to make a podcast, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's never a perfect time to start running to start doing it. you just gotta just go and do it yeah that was i talked to i was talking my whenever i was talking to my brother yesterday we talked about like what can you do you know you can go for a run yeah. you know it doesn't take a lot of equipment you know you can go for a walk what can you do yeah what can you do about it now right and i think that's where a lot of people myself included like that's where i've been at like well i haven't done this i haven't done that well what can you do do that yeah and it, it is interesting once you once you just do something, and if that's something you're really into and want to, want to pursue, things start attracting. It's like kind of like a law of attraction. Like things start coming For sure. towards it that you're like, oh, you suddenly meet this person who's like the guy who you met that uh, was so amazingly like traveling through here. And you're just like, yeah. it just has like things just come <laughs> to you like that align. Because if you're in that zone, you you start looking the same thing when you like get a new car and you start seeing that car everywhere. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's the exact same kind of thing. You just like start seeing like opportunities like, well, if I do this, then maybe that can lead to this. Mm -hmm. and, and before you know it, it's right. That's how you become successful. Before you know it, you got a job offer from a running company. Yeah. So it's, right. It's, it, it, yeah. It's kind of like that. And it is crazy. Cause like in that capacity, like when I first started writing for them and after a little while, I was like, man, that would be, I was like, that would be cool. Like someday it's like, this could, he wants to build this up further or something and would, you know, want me to jump on board, or come on. And then I ended up like one day, I think we were drinking and I just kind of like mentioned, or he was talking about that thing. And I, I mentioned offhand, he was like, well, actually he's like, I was thinking about like, if you would ever be interested. And it's just like, dude, that's crazy. I read your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I put that, I planted that seed in your head yeah. without knowing it. But I think part of it too is like people just do people in general get so comfortable in what in their own lives and like their routine is like they just don't do more than is what's required you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's just like i'm gonna do the bare minimum or just like this this small amount just what i have to do to make it through this day and the next day but it's like they're never improving on themselves or trying to like do it this little extra more which to other people or even like even in people's jobs if you just do a little bit more do like the extra turns out you just you stand out above everyone else just right. because you're willing to you know to to go that extra mile so to yeah. speak i think it's a huge difference and i don't think it takes much effort either you know yeah i mean people people perform it seems like people perform to the expectation like it's very rare that you see somebody exceeding the expectation like, right all right this is what we that's what you expect me that's what you're getting yeah not like all right well hey we did that and then we did this too. Right. And it's like the person who's like, well, we did this little bit more effort. Like, those are the people that you remember. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Especially, especially like where I work. Like. <laughs> In the government. Well, they love, they actually love me because I, I tried to like think outside the box and do some things. So I've actually helped them do some things that are like no one else would have done. 
So like even while I was working there, like my wife, she first worked for a community college and so I would just take classes because mm -hmm. I could take them for free. And I was oh, like, that's I might cool. as well improve myself. Like, so I took a lot of like webs, like HTML, mm -hmm. JavaScript coding classes. And uh, so it ended up being like just trying to improve myself and take more uh, initiative into, oh, I'll just wait. <laughs> it's, it's cool, yeah. So yeah, it's like you were into personal development, so you made yourself better. Yeah, so I just was like, oh, I'll just keep improving myself. And at the time, I was listening to a lot of like James Altucher, School of Greatness. Oh, you listen to James? Oh, that's right. Yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, James yeah. Altucher. Yeah. Oh man, such a great book. Yeah. Both so, of them. so I was like listening to like all of like these podcasts are just like <clears throat> getting me super stoked. And so, I guess. But originally, but in my head, I was like, oh, good at cybersecurity because that's big. And like at the time, I was like, I just want to make money and like do this. But it's not really what I love to do. Yeah. It was just like, so it helped. I mean, it helped me at my work, mm -hmm. like get some promotions and stuff. But um, that's the thing, just doing a little bit more, like taking some extra classes, mm -hmm. like using some more. But, but it turns out like that's going to help me with my job now because they have a WordPress site. And I took some WordPress classes and I did some like HTML, like CSS stuff, yeah. JavaScript, so I can actually like help with the back end of the site, which is cool. So it's just weird how like you just keep improving and it all comes together. And so I totally forgot. Way. I totally forgot that you were James Altucher. Because we talked about that was like yeah. years ago. You're like, like, dude, is that James Altucher? Or like, yeah, I think it was a while ago. Yeah. 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 And that, that really, that was like for me too, like it was very like inspirational, like. All right, man. Get you know, get yourself together and, and yeah. go go be happy. You know, like did you read uh, Choose, Choose Yourself? Yourself? Yeah, fantastic. I, yeah. I listened to the podcast or the audio book probably ten times on the AT. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, all right, man, I'm gonna go listen to that book because yeah. it's you know it's not long, and you got plenty of time. Right, it's like pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really good book. Yeah, he's. I I really like his podcast. I mean, at first it was like he's a little off-putting just because it's he's so like he interrupts all the time and stuff. Yeah. But I feel like I I I feel like I'm the same way. Like I interrupt people. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, Dylan, you're being like James Altucher. But oh, I don't think so. And it, by the way, like it works for him somehow. I don't uh, get yeah. it, but it like does. Yeah, and I think that it's like whenever he interrupts, it's because like he doesn't. He just wants to like. He's like, oh, I want to unpack this. Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's not just breeze past it. Let's dig into it yeah. because it, there's something there's a, something down in there that's worth it. Which is what you're supposed to do as an interviewer anyways. Yeah. I think the way he does it is a little different than most. Like he's just like, <laughs> uh, so what about this? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay. Uh, I would love to see his stand up. He, he has, oh yeah, I forgot about he, that. He like became a partner in like that's the comedy right. club, New that's York right. comedy club or something. That dude is nuts. Yeah. I mean, some, I, mean I like it because he just, will do whatever and take a risk. He'll mm. basically throw stuff at the wall and some of it sticks and some of it yeah. goes, like, like the thing where he like kept like 10 things out of him and lived out his backpack for a year. Yeah. Right? That's insane. He was living in Airbnbs. Yeah, like that's ridiculous. But I think that, I mean, even in, you know, that, he took it to an extreme, right? He, yeah. I mean, he took it right. really to an extreme and lived out of a backpack and not everybody could do that. But I think that like him taking it to the extreme kind of made me think about the things that I have and the things that I need and how I have a lot of things I don't need. And I really started to get rid of stuff that I didn't need. For sure. And I, I, I think it's, it's interesting that, you know, here it was some just random guy that I, I found online. I was like, well, you know, and it like pointed me in a direction and changed my path a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely love his, like, the minimalist views that he has. Um, yeah. And I know minimalism has like, kind of been the thing for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. but, um, but it's good, though. It made me think a lot, and I'm not perfect, but one of the reasons I think we bought our house, so we just bought our house last year, even though we've lived in it for, like, six years. Oh, like, really? We were renting it, yeah. and so we bought it last year. But it's a row home. It's fairly small compared to, like, most houses, you know? But it helps us, like, keep stuff down. You know what I mean? Like, like if we need something or we're getting rid of... If we need something, we need more space, so we just get rid of stuff. Yeah. Or just... So it kind of forces you to be a little more minimalist. Like, because we have friends who have larger houses, and it's just, like, your basement just becomes storage. You know what I mean? Like, if you have the space, you'll fill it up. Like, exactly. And, but But you don't, like... The idea, the idea of storage units is like totally insane. To I'm, like, I'm adamantly opposed to it. It blows my mind because it's you're paying. Like I don't get it. You buy these things, but then you pay to keep them somewhere that you never go to. Right. It's like you that own. you'll never use because it's like having an attic that you're when you die, like your kids yeah. are gonna have to sell it or give in, it away. In the past couple of weeks, I like have started talking about like I, I want it to be a a lifetime goal to never pay for storage ever again. It's <laughs> definitely one of mine. And it's like, you know, we have, you know, a lot of room here and yeah. it's just, uh, all right, get rid of more stuff, get rid of more stuff. And yeah. I said, I always say like, whenever I die, I'm going to have like one pair of underwear and a wallet <laughs> and that's it. Like everything is going to be gone. I love it. Um, there was a really interesting article that I read and it was about, um, people who have a lot of things and like you mentioned about like you know whenever you die somebody's got to throw it away and parents like leaving a burden on their children to have to deal with their stuff yeah um after they after they go yeah can you imagine if someone like i mean obviously there's a lot of people have large houses with like basements full of stuff or like storage like imagine how like your parents die and then you had to be like what am I, how do I get rid of this, whatever? Yeah. I guess 1-800-GOT-JUNK like, <laughs> yeah. takes off most of it. And I mean, that's, I think, do you want to go through it? You know, yeah. whenever one of, I think it was my grandmother died, they found, you know, money in her night, her, like, bathrobe in the closet. It was like cash. And that's how old people used to be. But yeah, it's right? like, you know, you have to go through things. But how do you know what to go through? That's the thing. It's got to be so overwhelming because <laughs> there's... First off, they died, so that's the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you, you're already trying to take care of Great, that and process yeah. that, depending on, you know, how, how it happened or whatever. And so, and then if there's siblings involved, then you're trying to, like, split the the house or the real yeah. estate or whatever, and it's just, like, I'm sure it's a lot of it just either gets thrown or just auctioned off or mm. in huge bucket, you know, like, tons of piles of stuff. I don't know. I don't even know how it works, but I'm, <laughs> it sounds stressful to me. <laughs> I know. It's... Un, I can't even imagine, you know, trying to throw... It's, like, hard for me to throw my son, my own stuff away. And it's like, well, this was something that, you know, I don't even know what it is. I know. What do you use this thing for? Yeah. I don't know. It is weird that you can become so attached to certain certain objects, though, that have... Might have been in storage for ten years, but you're like, ah, I can't throw this out. It's like, well, you kind of thrown it out in your head because you don't look, you don't really have a care for it. Yeah, but that's like you know, um, you know, I get a lot of pictures. And I'm trying to get better at photography, mm-hmm. and you know, what do I do with my pictures? Like, I post them online, but like, who cares? You post yeah. a picture online, like, what do you do? Right. And it's like, you know, should I surround myself and put, po- you know, put the pictures on the walls? Yeah. But you know, is it? 
do I value the picture or the memory? Right. So, I don't know. It's weird. You know, I was the other day I found a picture in Elise's cabinet of her and I together years ago. Oh, wow. And, you know, like I said, we had split up. And it was, she clearly put it away for a reason, but didn't get rid of it for a reason. And it was like, huh. all right, well, I'm glad you kept this. And now it's like, <laughs> now it's, it's put out. But, yeah. you know, do I value the memory or the picture? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And pictures are such a weird thing now because it, it is so much of a, like your memories are almost stored online and either Facebook or Instagram or yeah. something that it's, what is the purpose of having pictures in a physical format if you're not going to have them on a wall or anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. I know. I mean, I've just had like so many weird thoughts like, well, do I value the picture? Or like the poster, you know, I have a picture, a poster of the PCT up and it's yeah. like, do I need the poster to change the memories? Right. Or is it like that I like the reminder whenever I see it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I know. It, it is weird because it's like we have a small house, like I said, and I always think, you know, when I was younger, I'd always go to people's, like I grew up in a small house as well, like back yeah. in Grandville, yeah. like it was like a Same brick, brick rancher, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, I was always like envious of other friends, families who had larger houses and they had like a den with like a bar and like they're, you know, you'd have like all the stuff on the walls and mm. stuff, stuff like that. But now I'm like, and it, it, it even if I sit down and think about it, there is some attraction to having like, oh, that'd be cool to have like this space where I can like do my race, like have my racing medals, like do like mm. have some stuff on the walls, like posters that I love. But I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I've lived the last five years where it's like I've been pretty happy and I don't have this other stuff. Like it seems to be working out okay, so there's no real need for it. But I think it is that that if you're in that mindset where you want like a large house and you want like and you have and especially if you have the space to store th- stuff like it's just gonna end up inevitably it's like a some sort of law of physics <laughs> yeah you like if you build it they will come type thing if you build it your junk will fill your basement yeah i like i start like i get i have an opinion on whenever it comes to hiking gear and if you want to be ultralight hiker, the first thing that you buy is the backpack. And, like, everybody fights me on it. Like, if you buy a backpack that only lets you fit so much stuff in it, yeah. you can't take other things that right. you don't need. True. And it's like that's the way that I look at the house. You know, like, we don't want to have a big house. You know, we want to have a house that's, you know, lets us live the life that we want to live. Yeah. And part of that is not having a big house that we have to pay to heat and pay to cool and pay to have lights on. Yeah. And fill it up with junk we don't need. Right. And and not even that, but if you like, it just depends what what life you want to have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't judge anyone for whatever right. house they have. You do but, you? <laughs> but I have if I have friends that live in in the county or like out in the country, and it's like if you mow your lawn, like that's a that's a weekend morning. You know what I mean? And you have to do it every week. <laughs> I like, hate mowing the grass. Yeah. We don't have a lot. Right. And so it's like that's something that you like. That's a sacrifice in some way. Like mm-hmm. you have to keep you know, do your flower beds, like do all this other stuff, keep up with, you know, if, if you have a larger house, there's more maintenance issues. Yeah. Like, so part of having a small house is that like, okay, well, I don't have to take care of like this and this and this. Like, right. Of rent rent some, versus buy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then there's that too, which I was on the fence about that for such a long time, but whatever. I know. I'm, I'm like still on the fence, but I feel like, man, it's time to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what it's time to do. I feel like it's almost a coin flip, it's like half the time. Like yeah, because I know James Altucher is like adamantly opposed right, to like never buy. Like yeah. it's not a great investment. Yeah. and like 
Well, there's definitely some logic to that in a lot of situations, yeah. um, especially if it's not somewhere where you're sure you're going to be for like 20 years, 15 years. You know, that's what I mean? a big commitment. Yeah. So like whenever I was 15, whenever we were 15, did we think we'd be sitting in Baltimore, Maryland? Doing a <laughs> yeah, podcast? right. Seriously. We podcasts weren't even invented that. crazy. Then. Yeah. If you think about it that way. Right. Yeah. So, you know, whenever we're 50, <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude. whenever we're 50, we're going to be like, uh, yeah. man, I made some bad choices. Yeah. Like, a couple good ones too, but. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, about. I don't know if it's like, okay, do you plan ahead for that? Or do you just like sign a check that you have to have to cash? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's like neither one's going to really make or break you. Yeah. I mean, if, as long as you don't do anything extravagant, you know what I mean? Maybe you'll lose some money on one end or the other, but, you know, yeah. I don't think it's that's going to be what defines your life story. Yeah. As somebody who's moved like 20 times <laughs> in their life. Yeah. And someone, uh, both of us who have lived right. nomadic lifestyles. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of like why it's nice to have that because we're so used to moving around so much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there is something nice about that. Um. <laughs> this is a crazy good, but this is such a good like. This is a good tangent. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely something to think Oops. about, especially as you get older, for sure. I know. It's interesting to see people, you know, that I see, like you know, you have have two children. And there's like just so many different people all across the spectrum. And, and I look at it, you know, like we're looking at other people's highlight reels and like, are they happy? Yeah. Like, is that a goal? Yeah. Like, are they happy with that? Their choices? Yeah. What can you do to do better? What can you learn from that person? I don't know. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it is a cool thing because of everybody's different backgrounds and experiences. You can usually learn. There's always something you can take away from somebody else yeah. that can help you out in your own life, I think. Um, I know that's something like, especially that I learned on the road while traveling around, it's like there's so many people with so many different backgrounds out there and it's, or even going to college, which makes me sad when other people like grow up in these, like kind of where we're from and never yeah. get out of that town. Um, because you just don't, what, what your perception of the world becomes what your immediate world and then also what you see on TV or the news or anything else, mm -hmm. which is really not an accurate perception of, or an accurate depiction of reality so like being on the road or just going to college even is a huge part but right. and then moving to Baltimore where it's a city where it's 60 60 percent African-American and then compared to like where we grew up it was yeah. like five kids who were like black in our whole school right. or something like right. that so it's cool just seeing like these different perspectives on life and like when we were on the road, we would travel in the south. Like we'd be in the south a lot of the time, in Texas, like Midwest, mm -hmm. like Michigan. And so, like you just see these different, like the way that people live in these different places, and how that their where they grew up influences them and their ideas and stuff. And it's cool just getting all these different backgrounds and taking something from each place and kind of building your own worldview, so to speak. I'm trying to adult. Yeah, and then trying to adult. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm... <laughs> still don't know how to do it. <laughs> I'm still, I'm work in progress. Dude, I always think about that, like with kids, you know, remember when we, when we were kids or when anyone's kids, you, yeah. you look at adults, you're like, oh yeah, like they, like they're the ones who like know everything. <laughs> and then I just, I don't know, I realized that like a few years ago, I was like, oh, I still, I'm just like a kid. <laughs> I just act like I know more than like, and it's right. still like, I'm never gonna like have it together. Yeah. 
but I, yeah. I, I really struggle with, you know, knowing that everybody has struggles because you don't like you don't see yeah, that, exactly. and you can't ever be inside somebody else's head and know like, okay, this is their, you know, this is the things that they worry about every single day. Yeah, and then, um, just understanding and accepting that, like. Yeah, I feel like I'm going crazy. My, I'm like my whole life, I felt like I was going crazy. But like everybody's the same <laughs> yeah. way. Like everybody feels like they're losing. It. Right? Yeah, like, it's so true. All the people are like, oh man, that guy's got it together. And then, you know, it's like, wait a minute, like you, you have those problems too. Like, yeah. Oh, no, you're kind con- of what? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's so true. I think it's because we don't talk. Well, I, I think that's like, a huge part of it. Yeah. We're so internalized anymore. Well, even even personally, it's it's very easy to get into this, uh, like social media and something like that's very addictive. Like just to mm-hmm. escape into that world and just see what other people are doing. I mean, it, it has its advantages, but it's also like takes you away from that moment you have, like with your family or people mm-hmm. that you love. So, and even if it's not a direct thing, like being on your phone at home while your kids are there, but even something where you just start to become like in this other world that's almost like a virtual reality world. It's like the world of social media and stuff where it's like, I feel like a connection to you because it's like, right. oh, I know what you did last week. You know what I mean? But it's not a real connection. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. You saw I went for a run. Yeah. And you know, I have, you know, this is what I do. But yeah. like, you're and not inside my head and my heart. Right. And I think that traps us into thinking like, oh, we have these connections, but they're not real connections. Yeah. Like we're not taking the time to say, Hey, I only live twenty minutes away from you. Let's go. Let's get something to eat, like Tuesday night. Yeah. I mean, it's like twenty minutes. What the heck? Like, <laughs> no, and it'll be worth. Like after you do those things, you're like, man. Like you never regret I it. I wish I. I wish I'd done that sooner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I remember listening to this podcast. Uh, oh, it was James Altucher, and it was Jesse Itzler was on. Do you know who he is? He's I know the uh, name. He, I forget all the stuff that he does. Anyways, he was, he's written a couple books and, uh, and he was on there and he was talking about how people in his life, like his parents, uh, they live on the East Coast, he lives on the West Coast now. And so he only sees them like one or two times a year. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, in their 60s or whatever. And it, it struck him at one point. He's like, I'm only going to see them 20 more times in my life. Like, think about that. That's like, if they deep. live to an average age, you know, if they're yeah. in their 80s. I'm only going to see my parents who I'm that close to 20 more times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And that, that started to make me think, like, even my best friends who I used to be in the band with and stuff, like, I might see them once a year, maybe twice. Yeah. It's like, man, I'm only going to see them, like, 30 more times, like, in the rest of my life. Like, that's crazy. That's... Dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, because you just take it for granted as this is part of your life but when you really like put it in that granular granular level you're like man so and I, I think part of that was saying so part of this thing was like making a point to like get out see more people like on a personal level yeah. like have people over dinner do things like that yeah. because it's such a small thing to do um but you really had to realize like time isn't forever you know what i mean like time yeah. is short i mean we're here now I saw you, we, like, half a lifetime ago almost, like, in, in this oh life, God, half dude. of our lifetime. It was half a lifetime ago. <laughs> like, pretty much. <laughs> and so, so it's kind of crazy to think, like, in those terms. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, 
you know, I started to think about, you know, living more deliberately and not like, you know, just like, okay, it'll work out. It'll work out. You know, like be more deliberate in your intentions. And I called one of my buddies at, you know, um, Chad, who I'm definitely going to have on the podcast, who, you know, he worked for a, a gear manufacturer and then he went out on his own. And I, like, I really admire the guy. Like, it's incredible. Like he started his own business. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll talk back and forth. Um, and I, I was like, you live very deliberately. Like you do things to support your business. And I'm just kind of like, ah, you know, it'll come, it'll come. And I need to start focusing on that. And we hadn't been out hiking. We went hiking one time together. And I, I consider Chad a very good friend. Yeah. And I called him yesterday. I was like, dude, we got to get a date. Yeah. Set it. And we did. Like, okay, February, we're going hiking in the winter because we want to do a wintertime hike. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's going to suck. And yeah, it's going to be cold. <laughs> but that's why we're going. Right. Like, be deliberate about it. Yeah. And I, like, I have to, I feel like I have to schedule things or it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. It's very hard to just say, if you just keep saying like, oh yeah, we'll get together, like mm. it doesn't happen. Right. It's, that that is one thing as adults, like you do have these kind of schedules that you have to work around. It's not yeah. like when you're younger we can be like, oh, let's just do this. I don't know. My mom and dad got money. I don't know. They, they're millionaires. <laughs> right. so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even I I can't I can't imagine how difficult it is to be a parent right now. Uh, Elise spent the weekend with her nieces, who are both teenagers. One's driving, one's not. And just the kids are so busy. They have so much activity and there's so much going on. And I don't, man, I don't know how you manage that as a parent. Like you just deal with it. Dude, I'm not looking forward to like <laughs> that. Like, like for real though, I'm not looking forward to like the sports type stuff and all that crazy schedules. Like that's going to be something else. I, I don't, I don't feel know like, how. I don't feel like, I feel like whenever we were kids, man, we had it so much better than kids do now. Yeah. Like I talked to some of my friends, like you said, who had their kids in sports. I'm like, you every night of the week what like i thought we had like soccer games like saturday mornings and one practice a week or something you know mm-hmm. what i mean or like baseball games like twice a week like there's school teams club teams yeah it's sunday like my niece does these like softball tournaments to go like 12 hours on a saturday and then they had to nightmare. go the next day i'm like this is how it's awful <laughs> yeah, like there was like confusion with the schedule it's like well we don't know if we're playing then the games were getting changed yeah it, it's it just I, I couldn't understand like whenever we had a tournament for like you know because I wrestled for a, you know a big part of my life like you knew when weigh-ins were you knew what time you had to be for there for that and then you knew what time the wrestling started the next day <laughs> and it's like this is the schedule I don't understand right right uh, I, I don't know if it's because you know we have so many ways to communicate but we still don't communicate what's yeah, up I don't know <laughs> there's just so much stuff going on I think that it just gets like just a complete mess instead of just like these little like you know just just a couple times a week do this done yeah remember we get like you get the baseball schedule and it's for like the whole season and it's like oh there you go it's like yep. 15 games or whatever 20 games yeah done. <laughs> here's your games and here's your practices you practice right. two times a week yeah and I don't know what you know what caused that dynamic change but just sounds terrible well, maybe just, that's why i like hiking i think it's like the whole thing with like parents wanting their kids to like this insane like concept of their kids have to be in everything to get ahead in life and right. it's just this competitive world. i'm just i'm not in that so i don't yeah. know like, i don't know i just want my kids to be happy right like that's all i care about i don't need them to be like the best in the world at everything they do yeah. in fact there's more of a chance that if they just do what they're happy at and whatever they're best at they really mm-hmm. get into it like they'll be 
way more successful than the right. kids who have these like crazy complexes because their parents insist that they do everything no matter you know it's it's not yeah i think it'll be interesting like you know whenever your your kids get get bigger you know you talked earlier about like leading by example and yeah. it's like you know here's all the things that i've done and this is the life that we have now but like this is all that it took to get there right you know and i you know i had to take chances i had to be unemployed and i had to you know live in a van yeah <laughs> um, yeah no. yeah i was like <laughs> I won't recommend this to you. Yeah. Uh, don't, you don't right. necessarily have to do the van part, but, yeah. <laughs> but definitely do what you love. Yeah. I, I, I mean, kids now are going to, there's people that are going to retire from jobs that aren't even invented yet. Like people <laughs> that, that are alive crazy. right now. That is crazy. You know, I even, never thought about that. I mean, think about like, you know, podcasting. There's people who make a living podcasting. Whenever we were 18 years old, not one podcast was created. No, not even close. I think the first podcast was like, what, 2004 or something? I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And people are making a living doing that's, it. That is insane. People making it. And whoever would have thought audio, like doing an audio recording of a three-hour interview. And we're going we're going back <laughs> to make millions of dollars from it. That's nuts. We're going back to long format radio shows like, on the AM band. Yeah, no one could ever predict that because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it, it's so interesting, and uh, you know they talk about you know all these things that we do to save time, but we're busier than ever. Yeah, like you never. You're like, <laughs> and I think that we make ourselves busier. Like, just, well, I can go do this now. Yeah. No, I definitely think that's true. I mean, there's just so much stuff to do or that, like, I feel like you're all, people think they're missing out on stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is consumed because a lot of our life is simplified by just simply like being an American, you know, like mm -hmm. a lot I'm gonna of put our, food in the microwave in two right, minutes. It's exactly. Hot, like actually. you have like fast food at every turn, you're, yeah. you know, like everything's so, so simple and easy now. I mean, you, you, if you wanted to get a movie, you used to have to go to Blockbuster. Like, it's like things that you just don't have to worry about. There's, think, there's still one Blockbuster standing. Nah. I saw it. Is it? It's in Oregon. Oh, I, I think it was in uh, Bend, and really? I wanted to go so bad. So at least is it there? Like ironically, yeah. And like they have like a font. Like people go there and rent movies. That's and Elise's brother, back when Blockbuster was big, you know, before they got big, he had a video store, and he like I think he saw the writing on the wall. Like technology's right. coming. Get out while you still can. But that's like, good that he did. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but that's just an example. I used. To, I, I think about that sometimes. I'm like, and just ways that, that we have so much more money, even though I don't. I don't know what the actual statistics are, but I always think about like, remember it was like five or six bucks to get a blockbuster video for like three days, and this was like <laughs> in 1995, which is probably like twelve dollars now or something. <laughs> like, and now you can get a for what a dollar seventy or two bucks, get a red box for. I don't know, like a day which is all you need or Netflix mm. you know what I mean like that's nuts it's so you think about how much time the like things like that save like, like where we used to live we'd have to drive what 15 minutes to get to a blockbuster or whatever yeah and it was then, in like Hershey yeah so yeah. it's a half an hour a day right there just trying to get a movie um but but then we but it's crazy that we can have all this free time and then we we just fill it up with like just if you're not intentional and it, it, that's what it comes down to if you're not intentional with your time mm -hmm. and like what with you want like what you want to do with it yeah. you're going to inevitably fill it with junk you know what i mean whether that's watching just crappy tv or like getting on social media or just whatever else like your life is like your house yeah so no, like exactly 
That's a, dude, that came full circle. <laughs> <laughs> I want to live a big life, but yeah. like, yeah, like you just fill your day up. Yeah, that's so with true. stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, I noticed that like even when I was taking classes, you know, I would take, I think I was taking two classes at the time. And we didn't have kids then, but it was three hours, you know, like two night classes, so it's six hours a week mm-hmm. plus homework. And it's like, I would always like get that done, you know what I mean? But it's, and so I was learning a lot more and getting it done. But then like, if I went outside of that and tried to like do stuff in between semesters, like, oh, I want to do this. Like, if I didn't have that like strict schedule or whatever, like I just fill it up with crap when I could be doing like so much more useful stuff (laughs) in my time, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you were living deliberately. Yeah. And part of that is I need that structure. Like, with a class type thing is very helpful for me. I'm just good at with like, mm-hmm. th- that's why the marathon thing helps a lot because I have that like structure. I'm like, here's what I need to do this day. And if I do these things, I'll succeed. You know what I mean? It's like a very strict recipe. I don't know if I'm just like good with rules and yeah. order like Maybe that. Maybe that's what I need too because like, you know, it's so weird. Like long distance hiking to me is, it's just like so straightforward. Like you just go. Yeah. And like, okay, here's I have to get to this town. Like, and maybe I need to structure my life and my day like that. Like, okay, you got to do this many miles. They're like, oh, you got to do this many dishes, or you got to do this part of the yard. I think, I mean, I think that's definitely like is a step in the right direction. Because you're right. Like you, you say, in in doing your like AT or PCT like planning, you're like, I need to get to this town on this day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you're chunking it out first of all. So yeah. you're like, you're not saying I need to hike from. Uh, Springer Mountain to Knock yeah. Like you're just like, I need to hike to this town, to this town, and as long as I do these things, like I'm gonna get to Knock yeah. by September or whatever. So like, I think that's part of it is just structuring it in a way that's like breaking it down into bite-sized pieces too. Like, yeah. like Some any goal. Some people are so good at that. It's like what's that? Some people are so good at that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not, I don't think I'm especially good at that. For some reason, the marathon stuff clicks with me. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a definitive goal, like if I know the end goal, like I can do it pretty well. But if I have something like, like writing is always something I struggle with, even though I love it when I actually do it and yeah. come out of it. But like an end goal of saying, oh, I want to be a writer. Like it's not definitive enough it's, for me. Right. It's too broad of a, it's too broad. Yeah. So it's like, and even saying, I want to have this many pieces published. It's like, well, there's still like, something in my head there's just like this open-endedness about writing that's hard for me to like put Mm -hmm. in a box yeah so it really takes a lot of effort for me to do it how Um, like how often do you think how often do you write are you like deliberate in it i'm not so that's the thing it's like i'm because of that i'm not good at doing stuff like on a schedule Mm -hmm. like just i'm just never happened like it's one of my weaknesses i wish i was i know friends who are writers who like they set aside two hours a day, yeah. whatever, and they write. Like that's just what they do. Yeah, that's like the one guy was like, a, I don't know if it was a hundred or five hundred. He's like five hundred crappy words a day. Yeah. Or you know, it's only one page. Like it's not that much. Yeah. But he goes, once I sit down, it's like the, the first word is the hardest one. Yeah, it is. And I I have found like if I have something that a story that I'm working on or like, writing something, that once you get past that first, fifteen minutes, it's usually like junk writing mm-hmm. you know but then once you get past that first then it starts to get right. like kind of like I mean, even how we're talking today like I feel like the first 15 or 20 minutes like you just get into it right but then it's the same thing with writing is once you get past that initial and you usually throw all that out anyways mm-hmm. and then 
it starts to take on a different life of its own. Yeah, it was, um, there was a, a, like, it was like a school of thought or a philosophy that I was listening to, and I, I forget where it was, but the guy was talking about, like, people who are procrastinators and people who, like, are just, like, a drive, a drive forward and get it done. And um, I had to give a presentation to a, a, two classes of sixth graders, <laughs> and it was, it was, like, something... I wasn't nervous about it because it's like I do talking like that's what I do for a living partly and um, but I didn't understand how to make the connection with kids and I'm like thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it and they, they talked this you know philosophy was how people who procrastinate usually typically become more creative because they have more time to think about the process mm. while they're you know they're not just yeah. not thinking about it they're just not writing about it so like if you wait until you know you have a fully developed idea it's a better development than somebody who like writes down the first thing that comes to their mind and then they call it done. Yeah. Because it's not like as deep or creative. That's pretty cool. It makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> me too. And maybe that's just what I use to justify all of it. Um, I could see some truth in that. But though. I can definitely see like whenever I do presentations for work, you know, I do a lot of I do a lot of work and there's a lot of times where I'm up late the night before working on my, my presentation or, you know, whatever it is. And it's because I've, but I've thought about it for the, uh, since day one, I knew about it. So I'm always thinking like, well, how can I do this? How can I do that? Yeah. So I don't know, like when I, I pass the point of no return where I don't have enough time to make it good and right. it's good enough. Yeah. Cause there's gotta be some sort of like line there. And <laughs> I guess you don't find it until you go over it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess that would be me still working on something at 4 a.m. whenever I have to leave right. at 5. <laughs> yeah, and then just feeling like, here's what I have. <laughs> got to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I don't, we're back on another thing. Like, this is so good, though. Um, yeah, that's good. You did say something earlier that I wanted to ask about. You know, whenever it comes to long-distance hiking, mm -hmm. you know, we are concerned with calorie intake and things like that. Is there anything that you do, like, diet-wise? Or do you probably kind of just like, all right, do what you want? Yeah. Does she keep you in line? I'm probably a terrible person to ask about this because, yeah. like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't eat like horribly, you know. But mm -hmm. I'm not intentional about eating like great. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I when I grew up, I didn't have to eat. I mean, my parents, we had certain meals that we eat or whatever, but I, mm. I wasn't forced to eat a lot of stuff, especially like vegetables. Like I yeah. always hated vegetables. I still don't love them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't mind most vegetables. Like I'll eat whatever now. Mm. I actually like love and pretty much any kind of food now, but yeah. I just like, it's so much easier to just like, make, I don't know, something else other than that. And so like, if I have another choice, like I'm going to eat like, uh, I don't know, of chicken and whatever like yeah. something else um so I, I i don't do a great job with with uh nutrition i guess it's not horrible but it's just not great yeah i was just curious if it would in any way affect like okay i did this marathon and for like the month ahead of time i was eating very clean or eating you know eating healthier and then the, like you had the marathon before that where you're just like man i ate a bunch of candy bars for the past month yeah so chips. I mean, I, I will say, like, I don't eat candy bars or, like, I don't, maybe I'll have, like, a pack of bananas at work, mm. like, once a week. Regular ones or peanut? Peanut. That's what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, Those are the good ones. Trade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, maybe, like, one soda, but I don't really drink. Yeah. And I'll have, like, maybe a beer a day or, like, every, like, I don't drink that much, yeah. but just every every now and then. Um, 
but dude, I don't know. I think I've thrown out the whole nutrition thing on the limb because I've tried to do the right things before, like mm-hmm. during race week or something, and it's fallen apart or just. So, I did a Baltimore half marathon like a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I was just like going to give up on it because. I signed up for a long time ago, but I was, it wasn't my goal race anyways, like this marathon was. So the day before I kind of got a cold and my hamstring wasn't feeling good. And that night I was like, I'm just gonna eat pizza and beer cause I don't care, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I did. And then like the next morning I had some pancakes cause I was like, well, I'm, once again, I don't care. So I'll just eat pancakes before the race. Mm-hmm. And then I went and it was like the best race I ever had. Like it just felt so good. I was just like, so then literally like this week I was like, well, I'm just going to do the same thing. So I was like, I'll just have a beer every night. And then the night before the race, I'll eat pizza and have Mexican beer, like Tecate. And yeah. like, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> sure enough. PR. You know? Yeah. So I was like, well, clearly I'm going to do that every time now because now it's a superstition. And it could be mental too. Like I think it mostly is mental. You know, you're, oh, I'm so stressed out. I ate so healthy. I did everything I could. Yeah. And now I got to perform. Like you, you put yeah. a lot of stress on yourself to perform. That's, yeah. That's and you like, let it go. Kimmy said too, she's like, it's all mental, which it is. Like yeah. almost for sure. Because um, I was very relaxed for the Baltimore race. And, and even this one, I felt Pretty good. The night before, I had trouble sleeping just because I was anxious, but mm-hmm. altogether, all was was pretty relaxed. So, but yeah, so nutrition-wise, it's like it's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have uh, the opportunity to allow Lisa to do the majority of the food planning because nice. she's like she wants that structure, you know. Yeah, and I yeah, said, look, you can plan whatever meal you want. And I'll cook it because I love to cook. That's awesome. But yeah, I I good. don't like to go and like plan. Right. I'm just like yeah, old, I hate that too. like I'm from old school family, man. We just like all right, this is what we're gonna make. Yeah. All right, well, this is what we got. Yeah. Well, let's do something different. Yeah. Like, you just cook. You don't recipe yep. follow. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing. Like. Yeah, because growing up, like my family had, we still have a farm, and like they get the meat from the cows, the pork from the pigs, and like and they can vegetables and corn mm-hmm. like for the winter and like that's what we eat a combination yeah. of those ingredients <laughs> like most of the time <laughs> so it's like yeah totally different but i don't know some people do different things like there are vegan runners mm-hmm. um one of my friends who's isn't running is his favorite thing but he's been doing a couple marathons he did one with me in the spring he's uh gluten-free or whatever uh, keto mm-hmm. ketogenic oh, okay yeah so that's worked for him um it just depends yeah but i feel like it's just like moderation and you know yeah. there's a certain mental aspect of food yeah that I, it's like yeah you know it just makes you feel good and whether it's because there's sugar in it or not it's like <sighs> it just makes you feel good yeah. and it, it does more good for your brain than bad as long as it's in moderation right and uh, um, yeah, obviously some people might have some sort of physical things that different foods mm-hmm. affect in different ways but yeah i feel like as long as you're not binging on like sugars like all the time or it's like you said just balance it out i think most most people the majority of people it's fine yeah i know whenever i did the 18 i came home i was in like man i was i looked like i got beat up i was terrible. Dude, i, I was just so thin and i felt terrible and it took months for me to be able to like get out of bed and just like walk because it was like I was very stiff 
and I was more deliberate on the PCT about eating better food and eating more vegetables yeah. and taking supplements. And it, I mean, I came home, I was like, I feel great. Like yeah. my, my body physically felt awesome. Like I felt like I sh- feel like I should have. Really? And now I'm just like, eh, I guess I'm not going to go for a walk today. I'm too lazy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. That's good, though. How, so, wait, how long is the PCT? 2,650. And the AT is 21? 2,189. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, 400 plus miles okay. longer. Yeah. That's and I did it faster. Really? Yeah, it was easier. The The terrain was easier. Fair, and, yeah. and I was, yeah, I started out, my my first 500 on the PCT was 25 days. My first 500 on the AT was 42. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So it's like, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Um. When I was at my parents' house, a few so during this marathon training cycle, I went mm-hmm. for a long run, and I was like, oh, I'll just do like the AT since like they live, like I went back at Indian Town Gap, like, yeah, yeah, back there. And um, where'd so, you park at? Um, like there's some like weird little trailhead. Did you go like down the bottom of the mountain, or where was it? I went up the mountain and then over to the top and back down. And you were like down in this weird like, was it uh, Cold Springs? Maybe it was near the Soterra State Park, so like. Kind yeah, of you're like right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's a good. That's a really pretty area. I like that. Yeah, so I went up there. It was see, it was cool. Like it was super foggy, like dewy in the morning. It just rained, yeah. and I mean, it was pretty ridiculous trail running conditions because it's all rocks. Yeah, like Pennsylvania is like, a rough state for yeah. hikers. So I was like, I think I did like eight miles on the actual AT then took that rail trail the gold mine rail trail yep. like back to the just the road and then took the road like over the mountain again okay which was insane just like running uphill that over the mountain yeah cause it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I definitely walked a little bit of it cause yeah. it was just straight up but um but that was cool like getting out there mm-hmm. I had this like kind of dream not dream but it'd be cool to do it someday like so you can from that point on, on near Soterra State Park, mm-hmm. if you take that trail, take the AT from there over to Duncannon, yeah. it's like a full 50K. Like, oh, really? It's like 31 miles. Like I mapped uh-huh. it out. Like That'd be cool to do. Like just one day, just like knock it out. Yeah, man. Like, go on a Christmas break or something. Have you done the, the four state challenge on the AT? No, I want to do that. I was like, I have some friends that are going to do it. I think mm-hmm. like this month like yeah. just for fun I have some one of my buddies just did it like Monday okay yeah, yeah. they so, said like 15 hours yeah it's like 40 miles right 42 yeah, yeah. so I definitely want to do it at some point just to figure out when maybe I'll yeah. do it like this winter since I'm not going to cool. be running any crazy races yeah but yeah that would be cool um yeah like speaking when we were talking about just how you used to before being real adults we could just like do whatever <laughs> like me and a few friends one time we were like off tour for like a couple months mm-hmm. and so we were like at one of those fireworks stands like <laughs> along the roads this is like joe dirt like seriously <laughs> so it was like on 22 like in the colonial park area yeah. and we would just like work in one of those tents like oh, you did yeah like, did you no sleep joke. there yeah yeah they have people sleep there so we just right. brought our band van and just like which has bunks in it and mm. we just slept in the van like the doors open so like people wouldn't come around yeah and uh we stayed there for was, like 10 or 11 days or whatever and uh but we just have our friends there for every night just like party it's like mm. ridiculous <laughs> and um but anyways so we we did the fireworks stand but then we were like oh we should do like a 10 day like 
backpacking on the AT. Like, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Like, because we had never, like, really done it. Yeah. And so one of my friends from Nashville came up and then a few other friends, two friends from New York City. And uh, we just, like, did, like, nine or ten days on it. It was cool. Nice. Where'd I mean, you go? Where was it? We started in Delaware Water Gap. Yeah. And then ended, like, in, like, New York State. Somewhere. Oh, you went to New Jersey? Yeah. Oh, cool. So we did, like, 90 miles or whatever. Nice. It was, like, really pretty chill for our you know where we were at in life (laughs) we brought like a a handle of whiskey like on the trail with us that lasted the first day Um, oh my gosh sounds like a rough morning (laughs) it's a good way to lose weight but uh the next morning was terrible yeah um but but that was that was really that was like that was just one of those great memories you know it's like we just were like hey let's do it and like Mm -hmm. we did it it's like that's seriously like one of my favorite life memories it's so awesome. I know. And it was cool because we were going through, like, when all the through hikers were coming through. Oh, you were. Because it was, like, mid-July. So it was, like, a lot of through hikers were, like... Mm-hmm. So we would see some of them, like, when we were doing... We did a couple longer days, so we'd see them two or three Tw- days ago. Oh, nice. Which is neat. And uh, so we kind of got to experience, like, that vibe, you know? Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. They usually, like, the through hikers are cool, but, man, they go to bed early. Yeah. It's like, yeah. if they're not night hiking... Right. They're eating dinner. Yeah. And then going to bed. Yeah. Like, no. Um, they were cool. Yeah, that's a good. You were there at a, at a really good time. I I walked into Jersey on July fourth. Okay. And it was like we were right around all the hikers. There was a ton of hikers around yeah, so, us. Yeah. So you would have had plenty of them. Right. So we did the fireworks dance. We started on July sixth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. Yeah. So it was almost the exact same time. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. That's and that's Jersey was pretty good. It was a pretty good section. Yeah, there Jersey were some spots were rocky, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you guys weren't you guys weren't pushing too hard. No, well, we did twenty miles the first day, and I was like, I'm gonna die. Like, <laughs> this sucks. Because <laughs> my friend, had, my friend had this like planned out, like this whole. He's good at planning stuff, so mm-hmm. he had all the stops planned. And we were like, Yeah, you're gonna have to reevaluate that. Because <laughs> like, we were like, Oh, twenty miles, like that's just like if we do like three miles an hour, like or four miles or like two miles an hour, like no big deal. Yeah. And we got to the, like that, that first day, we were just like. Of course, we were, like, overpacked and had, like, too much stuff with us. Yeah. I remember the first time I did a 25-mile day. It was on the – actually, in that area, I was at um, – I think I started back in, like, Roush Gap at the bottom of, like, Cold Springs. Okay, yeah. And I went, like, the whole way to Duncannon. Okay. Was, like, I was just, like, going and going so, yeah, and going. Yeah, that's like the – yeah. And um, my feet were so blistered. <laughs> for like five days and it was like i feel good i can go keep going i'm like ah, my feet hurt a little bit but i'll yeah. be okay and i just like kept pushing and pushing and then for like five days like man my feet this sucks like i'm gonna walk to georgia or to maine yeah and i just like like you were talking about with running you know i went out and i killed myself yeah and it was like well i mean i had fun but man i paid for it yeah i bet so <laughs> yeah, that was terrible <laughs> yeah yeah amazingly I just bought Columbia hiking shoes for that, and I actually I didn't get any blisters. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only person who didn't, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. I think I was just lucky. But they uh, did you stay at the mayor's house? No, Do so you know what I'm talking that about. That was in New Jersey. Yeah, they I think that they stopped it. Oh, I didn't, really? That day I went in and I got there was like that little park. Yeah, uh, you could, it was like the community center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I. I went there and I got water, but then I ended up getting pizza across the street. They okay. had a really good pizza there, okay. um, but I didn't stay there. I okay. think I don't know if they were letting people stay there or not at the time. I, don't know. I mean, this was like seven years ago yeah. when I did it, so yeah. I don't know if it's still. So you guys stayed there? Yeah, because I 
we just did. I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Like, it was like, we heard two free beers per hiker. And we were like, and the hi- other hikers before that kept asking us, like, the through hikers were like, hey, you could like stay at the mayor's house. Like, I guess so. Yeah. So, and like, the food was so good. Like, was it free or? Yeah. Like, it's like uh-huh. donating. I mean, we donated some. Oh, okay. Money, yeah. But it's like, but it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, people are amazing out there. That's one thing that, you know, there's, you were talking about people looking at like Facebook and Instagram and like the news, and, like that's how, that's not the world. Right. Like the real world is like, if you would just get off your phone and go out there and do it, like, man, there's so many good people. Dude, people are so nice. Like, <laughs> people are so good, like everywhere. It is one yeah. of the crazier things. How's from, like from being on tour and stuff, like we would almost every night we would find someone who would like let us crash their house. They like cook us dinner, or, like buy us beers. And it's like, yeah. that's nuts. How, like, and I, I think that, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, being in Baltimore and Baltimore has such a terrible, terrible, um, reputation, I right. guess. Yeah. But like, man, there's gotta be so many great little things that you know about just because you live there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's the other thing is like, even running through the city, cause I love doing, like I purposefully map my long runs. Like if I have 20 mile runs or something, mm-hmm. I'll go like through the whole city. Like, I don't, okay. a lot of people just, like, run on the water and then go out and back mm-hmm. on the water. Like, it drives me nuts. Like, I love going through, like, these parts that I'll never see. It's a Saturday morning. You can run through the bad parts and nobody, like, it's generally fine. Yeah, people you know? are sleeping. Yeah, so, like, so it's cool. And to be honest with you, like, the parts that I run through that are bad, like, people are, have been the nicest in those. Like, you'll see, like, old men or, like, women out and, like, say hi to you, like, morning, mm-hmm. like, make a joke or something. But... I've never had a problem and it's and that's the thing it's like so you hear about all these like murders and robberies and stuff but you but that's just a small percentage of the people you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like it is crazy like on a if you look at it in a large spectrum like that's a lot of a lot of crime but think about how many people live like live in those communities that are just like you and me that just want to live a normal life yeah and it's like now that's what you kind of lose sight of when you just see the news and there's so many like people who are trying to like change the communities like make it better but it's really an uphill battle for uh i can't even get into so many reasons for it like um but yeah so i think that is the thing once you get outside in the real world like you actually see that most people are good like they want to help no matter what their political affiliation is or you know what color they are it's everyone yeah I wonder, so like, do you have, like, like running groups and stuff on, like, do you see, like, just people worrying about things that don't matter online? Like, and it's like, like, you're, you're, because in, in the, on hiking, like, there's hiking groups. Yeah. And then there's a the trail. Yeah. And they're totally different. The attitude on the trail is, like, so much better than what's going on online. I see Does what that, you're is that similar in, in running? Yeah. I mean, I think it just, anything online, <coughs> excuse me, especially on Facebook or something, like, trends to, like, yeah. it's just primed for, arguments or just stupid crap like so it doesn't even matter what arena you're in and it could be people who see each other every race and they're like hey like have a good time it's like why are you cool like it's just this disarming like there's this wall of like Mm -hmm. social media that like people feel like they're just become different people yeah there were some you know i'm i'm from you know we're from pennsylvania it's like i'm a hunter i go hunting yeah and there was some really interesting um things that happened with social media and it was like, you know, guys were going out and hunting and there was like this huge, huge drama about all of it. And the people who were like 
being targeted, we're like, man, people just forget that I'm a person. Right. And they like wish all these bad things on me. And yeah. like, it's so easy to type in 140 characters and hit send and feel but like it, you did something. But it means something. But it's like, man, that's an actual person. Like, and, and they're like, if I would tell somebody to say that to my face, they would never say it to my face. But they just, they, they feel like it's okay. And he's yeah. like, man, I'm a person, dude. Like, I don't go online anymore. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, it's so hard to filter just the pot. Like, I only want to see positive stuff. I know, right? <laughs> Can we just have a filter of that? <laughs> see the good stuff. Yeah, that's, we were talking the one day and I was like, you know, if, if there was one thing that you could get Facebook to do, and it's like, if you could filter it where it would be like nothing political, nothing like i don't like sports nothing about sports would there be anything on facebook i don't know like, i feel like it would just be like oh there's a picture of a hiker yeah exactly <laughs> like, that's it. i only want that <laughs> that's hilarious yeah um i might actually yeah. have to go <laughs> i can't believe how Sorry. long it's like went way faster than i thought yeah um because i had to, i had to meet with the dude who um yeah like possibly. for your job offer yeah for that yeah so, so um you got oh let me get two minutes quick that's cool. um so tell me about how we can find you online and then if you would really quick what's like one thing one piece of advice that you would give somebody that a lesson that you learned or something like that through either starting running quitting smoking or like taking a chance on happiness okay um yeah if you find me online you can go to my Probably the best way is my Instagram, yeah. which is just normcore runner. So that's norm, like N-O-R-M-C-O-R-E. Because when I first started running, I was like, I'm just a normal. I still feel like I'm just like a normal guy that just like started running. I wondered about that. So instead of like hardcore or like, <laughs> it's just like normcore, which is also like a weird fashion thing. I Googled I it. I didn't know. I was like, what yeah. does normcore mean? Yeah, it's like a weird, yeah. but I don't know. It's To be honest, I'd probably change it like if I did it over, but I don't really <laughs> care. So anyways, that's like my uh instagram handle um and then if there's like any advice i could give i would say just go and do it and it doesn't matter what it is now in terms of smoking it might be a different story but if there's something that you have in mind that you want to do it's just just take that one step like just it doesn't matter if it's a shitty step or just if you think it's terrible if you don't have the right equipment or you don't have it's not the right time in your life. Like there's never going to be a perfect time. You're never going to have the right equipment. You're never going to be that perfect person that you think you're going to be. So just go and do that one thing. And I always let picture, um, in Indiana Jones and last crusade when he's like crossing that chasm to get to the, uh, Holy grail. And he like throws out those stones onto like the, yeah. like that blank space and it creates that walkway. And it's just like, he just takes that like one step and it's like, oh, now I'm one, I'll just take on solid footing. And I don't know, it's a, kind of like a leap of faith type thing, but it's just like taking that one step to get to closer to whatever goal or dream you have. And like I said, if you take that step, things start coming to you that like you didn't realize um, that you knew about or that could get you to your next step. And before you know it, you're running a marathon or doing whatever else you want to do. So. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah. That's good. It's, that was, that's very insightful. And I think that's the thing that people really, uh, they're afraid to do, man. Yeah. And the it's people terrifying. have done it. It is. Yeah. yeah. There's something about it that like, even for me and other things I do, it's just, it is really scary to just be like, 
I'm gonna do this one thing because you probably you might you're gonna mess up. You're gonna look stupid to people mm -hmm. in some way, probably um, even to yourself. You're probably gonna fail in some ways. Like that's just what people do. <laughs> like that's yeah. how you become better at stuff <laughs> by failing. Cool, so, man. That yeah. was so good. This was so much yeah, fun. Yeah, I was, man, I was, I'm glad I got to come. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good for me. It was awesome to see you again. I'm so glad that you live so close. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that we're going to be here longer than, than we think, Elise and I are. So cool. um, we definitely should get a hold of each other later and we should go out to dinner and we'll set a date and oh, yeah. meet your wife. And Absolutely. Take, yeah. I'm totally it's down so cool, man. Set Such a date, so, though, not yeah. to say we're going to Right. I'm going to text you later. <laughs> I'm like, yo, how about this one? So yeah. um, you just got to plan it and do it deliberately. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, right. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. No problem, dude. <laughs> I can't believe the direction that that episode went. Um, I really thought that we would just kind of focus on uh, running and uh, trying to get me inspired to get out running it was kind of one of my goals, but uh, I'm really happy with the way things went. Uh, Robbie is such a good person. I, I really had a lot of fun with him. So, And we are in the process. Uh, if we haven't already done it by the time this gets uh, published, uh, we're in the process of planning on going out to dinner so we can um, not lose contact. Man, what a good person. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of it. Uh, he really is an inspiring guy. Uh, I'm really glad to see him able to you know, turn such a weird chain of events of uh, the the test and the smoking, and now he is uh, working for a running company. So really, really cool to see him. Great to see such a person that's so deserving of, of living a happy life doing so. Um, other than that, please make sure you follow him, Normcore Runner, on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, at DS Tonkin. We also have a Facebook page for the show, but uh, thanks for all of your support so far. This has been so fun, and it's been so good for me. So thanks, guys. Have a good one.